All right, you bunch of yahoos, strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Toxic Masculinity. We are here to entertain, offend, defend anyone and everyone. More than likely, to make you think for some of you, just might be the very first time. We sometimes refer to this as double D's in your face. Well, Mr. Fry, how do you think I did an introduction? I, I kind of tried to change it up, try to try to make it a little bit more fancier or maybe a little more enlightening or entertaining for the folks that might be tuning on in. It was shocking. How did I do? It was shocking. It was so short. Shocking and short. Well, yeah. no, no, it was short. no, it was shocking because it was short coming from you being being condensed. It just it, it threw me. <laughs> the evening is just beginning there, Mister Fry. The That's evening true. is just That's beginning true. here. I, rest assured, I am I'm well equipped there to take take us well into the evening here. We do have a special we do have a special guest uh, in the house here tonight. And it would probably take me uh, quite some time here just to list all the different accolades that uh, Mr. Bosch Rutenhairs has right now. I mean, simply to be, I mean, a lot of people will think of Bosch Rutten as a movie star. They'll think of as as a fighter, a cage Super fighter, model. a, pa- a creation uh, creation fighter. But then you know, they know that he's an actor, an author, you know, instructor, an inventor. I mean, what doesn't this man do? I mean, it's like it's like a Renaissance man here, you know, yes. a man of many many trades, many skills. So we welcome uh, to your humble abode, Mr. Boss Rutner, for tonight's episode of Toxic Masculinity. Thank you, thank you very much. That I don't knit. That's the one thing I don't knitting. Oh come on yeah, now, there's I time. There's I used time to when I was a kid. Believe it or not, I would make a scarf for you. You know, when I was a young kid, 12 years old. Okay, let's not go into that, by the way. Don't worry, you got beat up when you were young. Jeez. Yeah. Till I was 40, and then it stopped. It, it, it's always uh, f- refreshing what happens when you knock somebody out, yeah. right? Suddenly yeah, people are, okay, maybe I shouldn't bully that guy. Change your attitude towards you, don't they? That's how it goes. <clears throat> well, boss, you, uh, you just came in from, uh, I mean, if, you're, if, if, if I'm, again, if, if I pry or something like that, um, because you you live in California now, correct? Yes, I do. Okay, can we can we name a city at least? Ventura County, Westlake Village, California. Don't confuse it with Westlake. Westlake is in the hood, and Westlake Village is a really nice little place, thirty five miles up north from Los Angeles. Okay, I mean, it, uh, how long have you lived in uh, in California, basically in general? Uh, ninety seven. I came here with the family, May nineteen ninety seven, and I think in ninety nine we moved. The first two years was in uh, Los Angeles. And then I had it. Plus, you know, at the time, I was a big partier. And, and me in Los Angeles, that meant every night I was going out. And I thought, that's not a healthy thing. So we moved out, like, 35 miles up north, like I said. And that, uh, thankfully, slowed it a little bit down. Yeah, but that's all it did, yeah. Now, where, where was your that gym at when I... 10 years ago or so, I, I, I saw you. Yeah, that's Westlake Village as well. You went to both gyms, right? You saw the little one first we had, yeah. and the last time I met you, that was the bigger one, the 10,000 square feet. What's the name of that town? It's not, not Westlake. Westlake. That's Westlake no, Village. Yeah, Thousand else. Oaks. But Thousand. that's Thousand Oaks and Westlake Village. This is the thing. Like, my neighbor yeah. is uh, Thousand Oaks. I'm Westlake Village. Like, yeah. literally one house. It really? makes no sense. Yeah, I <laughs> have the same zip code. I don't know why they do that. <laughs> yeah, right. California, <laughs> exactly. who can figure exactly from from but uh, prior to actually living in California, where, where I mean, I'm trying to you know because 
I know we're going to talk about a lot, a lot more of the more current days of Basrut. Now, I'm, I'm trying to go back towards where, where did Basrut actually come from? Where where did you live before a couple of different states or something like this? Or, but actually, were you born in the United States in the first place, or where did you come from? Dan's a very curious individual. Yeah, no, this is good. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm a curious George. <laughs> curious George. Always have been. The Netherlands. The Netherlands. That's where I was born. And uh, I moved when I was 36 years old. I was 97. I always wanted to go to America, actually. I have drawings still. I have drawings from Nogi. Nogi was a bird. No gi. Now I think, hey, without a gi, this weird, right? And I was six years old, and no gi went to America. I had a bo- uh, Dodge pickup truck, a big one. I had a Buick. You know, I always liked America. You know, so when they the offer came at the UFC, actually, because when I started fighting in Japan, I beat some guys who did really well in the UFC. And then uh, John Peretti at the time, he came over and he watched me fight, and he said, hey, we are interested in having you. I said, okay, cool, let me fight these three or four fights that I have on a contract here at Pancras, yeah. finish that, and then I come to America. And then in 97, I just moved to America. Wow, I, I actually did realize this. I, I, I thought you were been lived in the U.S. way earlier than that. So actually, I'm learning something new here right now. So you I thought you were from Wisconsin or something with that like accent. a weird accent, yeah, yeah. right? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been the Upper Peninsula of yeah. Michigan because, you know, Upper Peninsula of Michigan <laughs> It's almost a part of Canada anymore. So if you would have thrown a few more A's in there, I would have thought you were Canadian. <laughs> Dan's, Dan's, you know, he's like a leading one, you know. He'll, he'll believe anything. You believe everything? Yeah. Okay, yeah, then yeah. I start. He, he's uh, not simple-minded, simple-hearted, you know. You know, my, my wife. Mixed up. We Every time I say, and, and it's, it, it sounds weird, but seed plant. When she starts crappy bullshitting, I go, I look at her, and I, because most of the time she acts like she really understands everything from a certain field, whatever she's talking about. And I look at her, I go, is that seed plant again? And then she started laughing, yeah, it's a seed plant again. <laughs> and what it means is, she said one time she was eating something, and it says, uh, in Dutch, I don't know how you call it. it says, uh, anyway, she said, yeah, it's a, it's a cumin. And I said, cumin, what is it? Yeah, it's from the seed plant. And I'm looking at her, I go, there's no way that she's right. I go, you're completely lying. And then she broke, she started laughing. She says, I do this all the time. I saw seed planting. And so from that moment on, I call it seed planting when she starts lying. <laughs> My poor wife. Huh. I, I should probably take that uh, that same route there right now. Sometimes I, I get in trouble when I start cut, uh, putting my... My better half on the spot, which doesn't work out all that well for me. No, <laughs> that's Ooh. what they call the doghouse, right? Yeah, uh, well, but at least it's a very nice doghouse. Well, nice. Boss you're being an inventor. What did you invent this time? Oh, okay. So this is the thing. Um, I used to be a severe asthma patient. I had a real bad skin disease, and I used to be. Uh, that's actually, <coughs> excuse me. How you got into fighting? That's right? how I got into fighting. Yeah, because I got bullied on a daily basis, and I finally I knocked out the bully. You know, after couple of weeks training or months training taekwondo that was at the time the thing and somehow i didn't kick him but i knocked him out with a punch and uh, and that's where my quest kind of started but i also did track and field at a high level i want to become believe it or not the dutch bruce jenner i was a decathlon <laughs> <laughs> no but he was a 1976 gold medalist i mean the guy was a figure stud what i don't understand is why is why is Mr. Fry laughing like this here right now? I, I don't understand this. <laughs> the, the, what he did in '76 was pretty freaking amazing, right? That's, we have to all uh, agree. How, to how would you like to be the guy who who took second or third to him, <laughs> who lost to him? Yeah, you, but, gotta, you gotta want to hang yourself right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. 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 Anyway, boss, boss. Just so you know, I don't share that same opinion there right now. Okay. This, uh, this Mr. Far right there. What he, okay, boss. Like as you said, what he did at the time, he did it. That that's it. Was it. incredible what he did as as a athlete, a male athlete. Now, yep. What he chose to do later in life. Well, that's. That's a whole different story right Up now. Up to him. I let everybody be his be, and that's it. Different, I don't really different chapter in that book. <laughs> well, again, I said he, he had an opportunity. He was on the front cover of a box of Wheaties, and now he could be on the box, the front cover of a box of Sweeties now. So I mean, it's, it's his choice. <laughs> wow. That's what he wants to be right there. Yeah. Exactly. Victoria's Secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. That, that'll be an addition. I won't be looking at. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to go into that because yeah. now a lot of things are going through my mind right now. So, so okay, let's change subject right now. Yes. So, okay, going back to the decathlon. <laughs> please, please. Um, yes. So what happened was, there's of course, my, my the worst things that I had was 800 meters, you know, the, the five kilometers. That was that was hard for me because, you know, of my asthma. But what I, I, I used to have these asthma attacks, like say uh, I would be a week in bed, not able to eat because I couldn't breathe, seven days, uh, 24-7. My mom had to do everything for me bring the food but you know going to the restroom was a freaking nightmare it took me 45 minutes because i had to go fly down uh, one flight of stairs down so there's a long it was a crazy process but but i realized i'd let you die after <laughs> but that's your father of the year <laughs> <one right there. laughs> what i realized is if i would resume my track and field after that uh attack i would always break my running times and it drove me nuts and I couldn't figure out why it was and then I suddenly I went to a doctor's office because I was there a lot of course because of my diseases and I saw a drawing of a pair of lungs in a frame on a wall and that's when I realized that the infection is not in your lung infection that we all think it's in your lungs but it's not it's in the airways that go to the lungs yes. and it showed a healthy uh, uh, the affected airway and it showed a healthy airway next to each other and I go oh man I've been pulling air in with resistance for a week, 24-7. So unknowingly, I make, make my lungs strong, which right. it's later on I found out it's different, it works different. So maybe I should come up with something that controls the air intake. That was the idea when I was 14. In 2011, I decided to make it. I still had asthma. Every fight, every fight I went to, uh, I always was carrying an inhaling with, inhaler with me. If I would sneeze violently three times, my lungs would close and I needed to open it up. I trained three weeks with the O2 trainer with the prototype and my asthma is gone. And I go, this is weird. So I sent it to my buddy in Holland who has asthma as well. Eight days later, he calls, he's actually selling him in Holland right now. He goes, dude, my asthma is gone. I go, whoa, whoa, we're onto something. So I start doing a patent search and what do you know? I could take the patent. So I had the patent and then I start trying to bring it on the market. Now it didn't work. Uh, because a lot of people, if you look at the thing, and especially the first one I, I show you in a little bit, was a, it, it looks clumsy, but the, it's super powerful. It only does, what it does is it controls the air intake. Now, many years further, like four years ago, I go uh, to a doctor, somebody, Joey Diaz, the comedian, he set me up <coughs> with Belisa, Dr. Belisa Vrenic. She's a world-renowned breathing expert. And I went to her at the uh, Fifth Avenue. She had an office there. And she, the first thing that she did when I came in was 
measuring my chest expansion. And I know where she was going at. But she's measuring. She, uh, she says, exhale, inhale. And she goes, like, and she started laughing. She goes, <laughs> no, 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 that's not possible. She said, do it again. And I do it again. And she goes, wait. And she walks out, comes back with another doctor. And I go, okay, what's going on? And she goes, well, if I don't bring him, he's not going to believe it. He says, normally somebody breaks the record by chest expansion with like an eighth of an inch. You just almost went two inches more than everybody else. Mm. I've never seen anything. So then I introduced her to this product that I had, the Auto Trainer, and we found out it's because of the Auto Trainer, because this trains your breathing muscles. Now, a lot of people, you know, when you me uh, mention the word breathing, they already zone out. You know, they go like, oh, it's yoga, it's well, whatever, peace of this. Breathing is the most important thing there is. It's the number one priority in the body. The survival rule of three. The average human being can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen. And everybody pays attention to what they eat, what they drink, nobody pays attention to the number one priority, which is your breathing. So I start diving into that. Then I found out that your lungs have no muscle. You can't have strong lungs. Your lungs don't do anything. They're just two bags. Yeah. The way you breathe is your body expanding, and then you create a vacuum between the body and the lungs, which literally opens up the lungs. So a lot of people say, yeah, you, uh, your, your chest expands because you fill them up with air. No, it's actually you expand your chest, and that's how you pull the air in. So it's a really weird concept to wrap, yeah. uh, wrap around. Well, what you also have to understand is that everybody chest breathes. 95% of the people breathe through their chest. Four to six chest breaths is the same as one belly breath. Like, well, I have a video online um, in where I fight a world title fight, and I see you see me in the corner, I go, <laughs> I'm breathing like that. That is completely gone with me. Like, now it's, I come out of a super hard round, it's literally this. <sighs> It's, it's really amazing. I got a, an, a message from Lyoto Machida uh, about a month ago, and he's been doing it for a while, just came out of COVID. A week later, he started training. He says, boss, I don't get tired. My muscles get tired, but my breathing is so controlled. I work circles around his students who are 25 years old and who are competing. So I knew, okay, we have something. Now, breathing, the way you expand is your diaphragm. Everybody knows the diaphragm, right? But the, what is the diaphragm? The diaphragm is a very thin dome-shaped layer of muscle and tendon. And it's hanging right in the middle. It separates actually the, the abdominal cavity from the chest cavity. It's just below the heart of the lungs and underneath all the, the entire digestive system is there. Now, the, the diaphragm moves up and it's, it's uh, attached to the lower ribs here. So at the front, all the way on the side, all the way going to the back. Now, if you expand your chest, then the diaphragm starts opening up like this. If you do it with power, it flattens out, just like a Frisbee would. And then from that point of view, point of view you go like, oh, what's that? But if I do it from here, this is it, and suddenly it opens up. Imagine a disc going from here to this in the center of your body. And that's how you breathe. That together with the intercostal muscles, which are the muscles in between your ribcage, open up your lungs. Now, this device, what I made, it's a very simple device. It's weight training for your lungs. Yeah. You can, you know, so you breathe in, this, this side has a flap. As you see, it sticks out. And for the people who buy it, this is purposely done like this. So there's a reason that this thing is like that. And this side, if you breathe in, this closes, which forces you to breathe into this side, right? Right. And this comes with all different kinds of sizes. It goes from 14 millimeter all the way to one millimeter. So you can fine tune, slowly but surely, you can go stronger and stronger. To give you an example how it went with me, in 2018, I started doing it every day, and I went with a resistance hole that was four millimeter. So then two and a half years later, like last year somewhere, I looked at my wife and said, you know what? I'm going to try that same setting, see how fast I do it now. So what you do is you do breathing exercises with it. You have to lean over, 
Inhale with explosive power, sit up straight while you're doing it because you're training your front core breathing muscles. You do 30 repetitions. Now, I time myself, and you can see this on Facebook because I post every day videos of me doing those breathing exercises. Hopefully, that inspires other people to do it as well. So in May 2018, I had screen 11. Let's just say right now, it took me 3 minutes and 45 seconds. When I did it a year ago, I did the same thing in 55 seconds. So three minutes, 45, I went to 55 seconds. I was on Joe Rogan one time and I said, oh, it increases your, your, your stamina with 15, 20% at least. And he thought it was very, yeah, he couldn't believe it. And I go, well, I kind of lied there a little bit because it's only for 95% of the people it will do that. Actually more. You are, if you train your breathing muscles, you can take up to five times more oxygen than when you breathe through your chest. It's a big difference, but nobody breathes like this. You know, by the way, why people don't breathe like this? Or why, why they breathe like this? Till they're five and a half years old, everybody breathes perfectly using the core. Yeah. And then suddenly the boys and the girls, they start super, seeing superheroes and they start to see people and they realize that if I breathe through my belly, they might think I'm fat. Yeah, right. And that's why they start breathing different. Of course, there's different reasons as well. Sitting a lot in school, that's a reason. The doctor who t- puts the stethoscope high on your chest, breathe right. in for your yeah, lungs. Yeah. No, your lungs are here. You know, they're not over there. So all these confirmations make a kid start breathing the wrong way. All the diseases, if you ask a pul- pulmonologist, 85% of all the lung diseases are in the top part of your body because that's what people breathe. Now, four to six of these breaths, as I said, is the same as one belly breath. So if you train the correct way, which this thing will force you to do, you have immediate success. I had a SWAT member. This is a true story. These are 100% true stories. A SWAT member did it twice in a row, and then he uh, ran. And he said, I broke my running time. And he says, it's impossible because I only used it twice. No, he was breathing wrong before. Yeah. And now he was forced to breathe using his core. So with that kind of breathing, he started running and completely changed his time. So that's the power of the O2 train. Now, there's a lot of more things that you can say about this. Um, but I, I'm kind of hoping for questions from you guys, what you want to know, because then I can fill it in. Because most of the time, it's the same questions that I'm going to have for people at home as well. Yeah, well, I... I started breathing through my belly when I did the acting thing, you know, because they'll tell you to breathe through your belly mm-hmm. some sometimes. Some coaches will. Singers, know. singers also, you right. know, they start, you know, there's an, I think the Alex, the Alexander method, I think it's called. There's somebody who was an actor yeah. actually came up with that because he started losing his voice. It became less powerful. When I was training with the O2 trainer, the prototype, at restaurants, my wife would say, keep your voice down. All the time, and I go, what am I doing? I'm not speaking loud, but I realized that was, and now we have singers and trumpet players and every horn instrument player, everybody's using it because more power. I had a review from uh, Chris Mostert. He's the, he's the sax player from the Eagles. Yeah. And he said that he had longer and stronger notes. The, the reviews are insane. It's all four and a half, five star reviews. Or a person comes, like uh, last week I had somebody says, oh, the thing, I gave it a two star because the flap was sticking out. I said, well, the flap actually sticks (laughs) out for a reason. You know, because I trained with this prototype and when they gave it to me, they said, how how thick do you want to make the flap? I said, I just make it thick for now. So when I got the prototype, I realized, ooh, this may be a little bit too thick and it sticks out. But let's try it out, see what happens. And what I realized is that once you breathe in, you have to do it with a lot of power. If you don't use a lot of power, you hear air slipping in from this side, which forces you to put the pressure on, so to say, to do it harder. Now, if you want to get rid of it, 
It's very simple because there's a washer inside here. I don't know for the people to see, see, yeah. plastic washer. You take this out and then the whole slipping part <coughs> is gone. You know, but I suggest that pretty much 95% of people leave this thing in because it will actually help you because every time when yeah, you- Make you work harder. Makes you work harder. And that's what you want to do. So training the breathing muscles is one of the most important things you can do in the body. Recouping better, anxiety, PTSD, back problems. That's why I told you, you're going to have to start doing it because it aligns your back as well because you put so much pressure. There's a lot of core pressure. I have guys buying them now for their, uh, for their apps yeah. because they could never have apps, and now they have apps. My core is so freaking thick right now, but I've been doing it for three and a half years. It's, uh, it's bizarre how, how strong it is right now, but you feel it with everything. You recoup faster. It's good for sleep. Whatever you want to use it for, it works. It's amazing. Honestly, did, you, did you say that you first came up with this when you were just a, a, a young man? Yes, when Wisconsin? I was 14. Yeah, at 14 years old, I had it. Normally, I have my keychain with me. And what I had, uh, on my keychain, I have a washer, like a little metal washer, that, because that's my reminder. That was my first auto trainer, because I would put that washer in front of my teeth and I would try to breathe in through that little tiny hole. That little hole. But yeah. then I thought, you know, this is very dangerous because if it shoots in your freaking lungs, <laughs> if it's in your lung, that's it. You can't heimlich it out. You're dead. You know, so uh, I, I thankfully I stopped doing that. And then, you know, what, what sparked my interest was uh, when um, Vanderlei Silva was one of the coaches on The Ultimate Fighter. And I used to call this thing, that was the idea I had. I didn't make it yet. They called it the Routinizer. That was the name, the Routinizer. Routin, Routinizer, we thought it was a great, uh, great name. <laughs> and, um, and suddenly uh, he shows his students training with snorkel devices. And what he is doing, he's rebreathing carbon dioxide, and that will trigger a little bit of your red blood cells. That's what swimmers do as well. And if you do it long enough, you get a little raise in your red blood cells in your, in your body. So my phone went, went nuts. Everybody's texting me, dude, you got to make the routinizer because somebody's going to make it. Somebody's going to make it. And that actually put me on the path to say, okay, maybe I should make it because what if somebody else comes right, with it? Right. You know, so, uh, and I made it and all these results are just crazy right now. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. How are your sales going? The sales are going good. We've been hit by uh, by by COVID really hard. We were selling so much in uh, 2020, and then in August it went so good, and we made it in China. And I didn't want. I saw these crazy camps over there with people working, kids working, and I go, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to make it an American-made product. So this one now is made in America, but it was so much crap with the COVID. It took. I ordered a new one in August 2020. And they were ready six weeks ago. So, and this is not even the, the, there's another model common that was the original that I wanted to have. This is a backup that I made because I said, okay, let's make a real good one right now, you know, with fine tuning caps in there. It's a long story. But anyway, this one was first ready. And now, hopefully, in three months, four months, the other one is that is going to come out as well. So, there's like different levels. There's different levels. The other one is going to have, you're going to have turn a knob, and uh. then the level gets uh, uh, smaller. I like this. Because these ones have really fine tooth. This is a millimeter, and then this is one and a half millimeter. Before, I didn't have that. I went from one till two. But the difference from one to two millimeter, although it's a really tiny hole, it's a big difference. Right. Like 30 repetitions with number with two millimeter, I would do, let's say, uh, in, um, in three minutes. And if I do one millimeter, it would take six and a half, seven minutes. So I thought, oh, well, I got to find something in between there. So that's why we did one, one and a half, two, two and a half. And from that moment on, everything goes one millimeter up. 
So you bend over and then you come up. And yeah, you know. what you're doing is you be, you put it aim out, you breathe out, you explode, uh, uh, exhale first. You you bend at your diaphragm level. That pushes a lot of air out, and then you completely lean forward. Then you start inhaling with explosive power, and then you try to time it in such a way that once you sit up straight, that's the end of your inhale. Now these muscles, these are the ones that you train with that exercise. That is an exercise number two. This, by the way, takes four minutes a day. This is not a big thing. One day I do exercise number one, which attacks these muscles, and exercise number two attacks your back breathing muscles. Now your back breathing muscles, almost nobody uses. Once I started incorporating that, that was Dr. Belize that told me, you gotta do that. Then my stamina went straight to the roof. It was, it was the, the difference was bizarre. The thing is with people at home, if you have an auto trainer, you do for the very first time, you do exercise, the back breathing exercise, it's exercise number two, we call it. Don't do 30 repetitions. I, I was that idiot who did that, and since you never use those muscles, dude, I walked around for five days in intense pain, like I worked my back really <laughs> freaking hard. So just do 10, don't call your ego, don't, <laughs> you know, just do 10, the next time 15, then do 20, and from that moment on, you can pretty much do whatever you wanna do. Yeah. Work yourself into it, that's what I would suggest. And, 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 and talking about reading, so people have a little bit of an idea, you know that there was a, a, a bunch of monks in, the, in Japan. They would meditate for nine years. They would not run, they wouldn't do anything. Meditate and breathing exercises. These guys, you're not gonna believe this, I, I couldn't believe it. They can run 200 miles in 24 hours, two days straight. Really? 8.3 miles an hour. Think about this. It's, it's freaking crazy. I mean, you can look this all up. I mean, it, it, it's insanity. There, there wasn't um, uh, a chief. What is it? Uh, oh, uh, it's, um, there wasn't uh, a, an Indian chief who actually w could be the guy who broke the first uh, minute, four-minute mile, the record. He did it. Apparently, they timed him in 3:58. He did it. He did it before Bannister did. Sir Roger Bannister, I think, is his name. Yeah. He was the first guy who broke the four-minute mile. But also that guy, he ran two, 120 miles, two times he did this apparently, within 24 hours, but in the mountains barefoot. I mean, <laughs> think about that. But it's all breathing, they're focused on their breathing. Once they're breathing, once you supply your body with the oxygen it needs, what's gonna happen if you get a uh, surgery? Do they take oxygen away or give you more? Of course they give right. you more, you right. see what I mean? Everything works better with more oxygen. Like the hyperbaric somehow, chamber, yeah. That's it, that hyperbaric chamber, and especially if you go, under one or two bars and you, you breathe through uh, pure ex oxygen, that's actually natural EPO. Then it stores into your system. This is not, a lot of the breathing devices, they say, uh, oh, it's, uh, it's the same as high altitude training. It's a complete lie, this is not it. But this is actually better because this trains your muscles. So now you, uh, you delay the onset fatigue and you're gonna be able to, to have a higher workload at a, for a longer period of time because you train those muscles. Talking about gassing, when you gas, you know what that is, that feeling of gassing? This you can find in medical books. This is what I'm gonna say right now. Gassing is oxygenated blood leaving your limbs to support your breathing muscles because those are the number one priority in the, mu in, in the body because nobody trains those, uh, this, those muscles. It's called blood stealing. That's literally a medical term, blood stealing. It steals the blood from all the limbs to support the breathing muscles. So once you start training those, and you can only train them with a the resistance device like the O2 trainer, unless you do that, you're gonna run out of gas all the time. It's, it, it's inevitable. Evitable. <laughs> that word I still don't get, man. I'm living 23 years here, and sometimes I still miss on that one. 
the, the so, duration. Is this something, that, say, is this something that you use in your training for uh, upcoming fights, for example? No, this was we, the thing. We, yeah, for you, yeah. For, for, for a person, if you do this before your fight, I would start six weeks out. And, and this is also, back to, I have these published medical journals on my website. So you can see, oh, this is not me. This is literally published medical journals. You can't doctor. You know, it is what it is. Whatever they say, that's the truth because nobody can do something with it. And they say that if you do this twice a day for six weeks, and after that you can maintain it by just doing it one time a, uh, a day, uh, twice a day, and after that, you can do it. After six uh, six weeks, you can maintain it by once a day. You take care of all the lactic acid in your core. And now you're going to go, yeah, what is that going to do? Well, the more tight you are in your core, the less you can expand. Because, and you need chest expansion to have full capacity of your lungs. If all the lactic acid is gone, then you can breathe much freer. How many times when you guys didn't train for, let's say, three months, and you go back, the first workout is a freaking unbelievable workout, right? right. It's always the best. But then the second day, because now it's all the body aches, everything is hurting again. What happens is all these muscles are relaxed. You can just simply breathe easier. That's what happens if you take all the lactic acid out of your body. And people who think that they don't need it, think about this. After the age of 29, this is, and again, I'm telling you this the whole time because otherwise you're going to go, yeah, this guy just makes it up. You can look this all up. After the age of 29, um, your, 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 your uh, chest flexibility, so thoracic flexibility, and your lung volume are at its peak, at best. That's great news, but the bad news of that is that after the age of 29, unless you add breathing work to your routine, it's going to go downhill. So the amount of oxygen that you move in and out of your body is going to decrease. And the only way to do it is doing breathing exercises and especially breathing exercises with resistance. So it's like having a, a midget strangle you or something, huh? Pretty much around your chest. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> you know what the Big fun fat, thing is. Fat woman, fat fat woman sitting on your chest. Huh? Um, okay. Yeah. No. 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 But li listen, this is a fun thing. So, so a long time ago, in a, I won a fight with a boss with a neck rank. There was a move that I made up, and what I did from from scarfold, I have his head, and then I would grab a leg, I would grab the inside of my leg, and I would wrap him around my body. And I told everybody in the dressing room, uh, Frank Shamrock, Guy Mask, everybody was there. I said, watch, I'm going to finish this guy with the boss with the neck rank. I came up with a new move. And four minutes later, I got him in the boss with the neck rank. Now, at that time, I didn't know anything how body worked. You know what I did? I stopped his chest from expanding. Yeah. <laughs> so I stopped him from breathing. Right. That's why how I won the fight. Because if you can't expand your chest, you can't breathe. And people go like, is that true? Breathe out, close your nose, and try to expand your chest. You can't. You, <laughs> you can't expand your chest. You can only expand it if all the airways are open. Okay, uh, here's a question here from, a, from a competitor's perspective right now. You know, you're in a, let's say you're in a UFC match, something like this, or just any standard MMA match today. You do a five-minute round or three-minute round, and you get your one-minute break in between. Do you think that uh, traders should incorporate some type of this breathing device straight at one minute? No. With that. Yeah, no, 100%. They all should. You, listen, I got rid of the, these breathing exercises. It started with the trainer from Usain Bolt and three other gold medalists. He contacted me. Oh, no, he wrote a bad review about my competition. And I, I call my manager and I say, hey, but call what competition? I'm not going to say the name. Uh, the, the competition from a, a breathing device as well. I don't want to... 
uh, tear him apart. But anyway, he wrote a really bad review about him. And I told my manager, my manager calls me and he says, hey, did you read the review? I said, no, but I can guarantee you it's a bad review. He said, how do you know? I said, because they control the air in and out, which simultaneously is not a good thing because if you breathe out with resistance, you can never empty your lungs. And if you breathe in with resistance, you can never really fill them up right. because it's with resistance. So you're kind of breathing shallow, so to say. I said, but do me a favor. Try to contact that guy and see, uh, I want to send him a note to trade. And he goes, do you want to do that? What if he writes a, a bad review? I go, we're curing asthma right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a bad review. He calls the guy and the guy, he says, hey, I'm representing Boss Sweden. The guy goes, oh, to trader, we're already using that. First thing he said, so now I got in contact with him. Uh, Chad Masias is he, very freaking high level uh, trainer. And he started telling me about the breathing exercise. And that was the front core breathing exercise. And then once I started got in contact with Dr. Belisa Vredic, and I'm doing a course right now as well. That's why all these numbers, and that's why I know exactly what the diaphragm is because it's all in her books. She has this really great book, Breathing for Warriors. You really, if you're into breathing, you should check that out. But then she told me, you got to do the back breathing exercise as well. And once I start combining those two, boom, that was it. Yeah. So I bet, oh. you, I bet you feel a lot better then too. I it mean. makes you, and recoup from everything better. It, uh, you sleep better. You right. get better inhale. I, I mean, it's the anxiety. I didn't know. Well, of course, if you think about it, anxiety is bad breathing. Right. <laughs> Stop breathing, that's anxiety. You know, what yeah. it also does is training your breathing muscles. It activates the parasympathetic state. And the parasy uh, parasympathetic nervous system, that's the nervous system that gets you calm. What do they always say before they go in, the cops you know, or the military, they go, I took a deep breath, you know, because it lowers your heart rate, it lowers yes. your blood pressure, takes down the, 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 the cortisol levels. You know, that's what happens. And that only, you can only get that if you breathe diaphragmatically. That's what they call it, breathing through your diaphragm, or horizontal breathing, that's another name for it. Mm. Well, I'll give, I'll give you a little breathing uh, story here, uh, boss, if you don't mind, I'll regale you the story, because I wasn't one of these guys that went in any of these long training camps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, I only ever did two training camps in my entire career. <laughs> once for 32 days, once for 35 days, that was it. I mean, but I mean, for a couple of different reasons, I mean, there, were, there was no real money. So I, I kind of looked at it. I'm just like a journeyman. Sure. I, I, I was doing all my other stuff and then I'd run off to a match here, run off to a match there. But uh, during the, the no hose barred, I, I could not implement this because you either, you either had it or you didn't have it at that point. But when they finally started incorporating rounds, I kept thinking, who's going to breathe better? A person who's sitting down on a stool slumped <laughs> forward, and now again, their everything is kind of collapsed and impeded and stuff like this. You got someone who's in your face. You got people doing all this and that to you. I kept. I always would sippy would stand up tall. I would put my hands on top of my head, and I was breathing deeply into my again all the way through my chest and, and my, my stomach and stuff like that, back and forth. First off, knowing that I'm getting better breathing than what my opponent's getting, but the psychological aspect is, the fact is, they're looking over there and they're seeing that old guy isn't sitting down. Yep, 100%. He, he must not be tired. I'm like, sure I'm tired, but am I going to tell them that? No, yep. I'm sucking air from every orifice of my body at that point in time. Yeah, and, and you're 100% right, because if you're sitting crunched, you can't use your core really. To do it, and how all these, we're all like the same, right? As a fighter, everything needs to be tight because you right. want to show your abs, you want to go. Right. Well, the tighter your pants, the less you can breathe. Yeah. 
And we were knocked it up, remember, when we were fighting? Yeah. We're such idiots. I mean, if you see that clip where I'm breathing, <laughs> and then if you see me doing this now, at the same pace, whatever I do, it's insane. When, when uh, Leoto Machida called me and he says, it's so weird, this is the, my muscles get tired, my breathing not, and this is what I told my wife every single time. I go, it is so weird. My muscles never got tired of fighting. It was always my breathing who couldn't catch, that couldn't catch up. Now it's the other way around because it can keep going and eventually your muscles are getting tired, you know, but it's a way better feeling because you breathe per, uh, diaphragmatically and nice and relaxed. Listen, both you guys have brought for, uh, both, for both of you one, you really have to do it. If you do this for 30 days straight, which is only four minutes a day, I don't think you're going to stop anymore. I totally agree. And for the asthma and COPD patients at home, if you do this 30 days straight and your asthma or COPD is not 70% gone or entirely gone, I give you your money back. That's my guarantee. The thing is, though, I need to see 30 videos of you actually doing yeah, the yeah. exercise because you know people, right? Yeah. If I say now four minutes, you're going to go, oh, four minutes, it's easy. It's a workout. You're yeah. going to feel this. I mean, you're going to feel your core muscles well, a yeah, lot. Every, every fighter, wrestler oh. knows what... 30 seconds is a long time. Exactly. 15 seconds is a long time. So oh. most of the time what I do is before I work out, I do it. Or sometimes after a power training road, uh, workout, I do it. But if you do core exercises, don't do the O2 trainer yeah. afterwards. I realize <laughs> it's not a good combination. You want to do it before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, let's, we're going to plug it several times through there. But if people want to know where they could get this device, where, where, where people tune into? Was there like a website or yep. a... O2 Trainer. O2Trainer.com. Go there. You see, I wrote a few things down. The breathing IQ. You know what my breathing... Go to thebreathingiq.com. This is where you can test what your breathing IQ is. Most people probably have 60. I had 181. They've never seen anything like it when she measured me. She said, yeah, that's, uh, that's unheard of. 100% is good. I have a 181. So that's, wow. and these are real numbers, guys. This is nothing that I make up. Also, that video that I say, 55 seconds going from 345, you can see all the videos. If you go back on my Facebook page, you will see that video of me doing it with the time underneath, everything written at that time, and now you see me doing it in 55 seconds. It's crazy. <laughs> But, but you said that the breathingiq.com, that will take you to your device, and, 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 but a lot of good information as well. No, for me, go to uh, o2trainer.com or say boss with a long training device, it will pop up. But, uh, you know, the great thing would be if you, for instance, go to the breathing IQ, ch check your own IQ, then get an o2trainer, and a month later do it again. See what happens. I guarantee you, you'll double your number. Yeah. Is that is that okay. big of a difference? It depends, you know. If you're already a diaphragmatic breather, you know, then it will be less, of course, because then you breathe. Then you're one of the five percent of the people <laughs> who are actually breathe the correct way. Okay, and you're saying O2 trainer? Yes, O2. O2. But just okay. to make sure, I I did zero two trainer. I also have that linked to that same website because I know people okay. are going to do that. Yeah, because I, I I look at look at that. Okay, O2. You were saying it sometimes so fast, I kept thinking, I'm gonna write this down. But there's <laughs> O2, I want other oxygen. people that are are maybe not as uh, not as fast as what you are. Okay. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's all starts slowing down, guys. We know that, right? Our age. <laughs> I was just uh, laughing. You remember before you sit down, I sit down, you and everybody goes. Ah, ah. I go look at us now. Yeah. Fifty six years old, pain everywhere. Shit, <laughs> so crazy. Twenty twenty years ago when. Wow, uh, Katie, my oldest, when she was one or two years old, 
I, I came home from the, you know, from Japan, and she's sitting down. And she's going, uh, 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 what the hell is she doing? What, she's imitating me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the noise I make when I when I sit down. You know. Uh. I used to when I had to watch the baby by my firstborn, and my uh, wife would be uh, at work. I would uh, put her in the. She's in the box in Holland. You have these boxes where you can put them in and can play in there, right? Yeah. But I would put the weights in the same room so I can keep an eye on her and do weights. But suddenly she started growling. And I realized she was ah, <laughs> but it was because me was going ah. Yeah, she started imitating me, same as her. <laughs> My mother goes, "You make a monster out of her." <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's it's good. It's okay to have a tomboy as a daughter, though. That's uh, there's nothing 100%. wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah, better than the complete opposite. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I gonna say it's okay to have a top boy as a girl, but not gonna okay to have a a top girl. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I mean, when you first were talking about inventions, I actually thought you were going to talk about your striking, kicking knee apparatus because yeah. you've had that out for what almost twenty years or twenty plus years. Yeah, a long time, a long time. Also, yeah, at least like thirteen years or something. And that thing, the body wow. action system, BAS, body action system, it's doing really well. Because if you look at it, you're going to go, oh, that's never going to hold up. I broke two, and that, and I kicked the head. Right. So, and I go full on on the thing. And that's after 11 years. So, it's really sturdy. If you set it up like it's supposed to be set up, it's a really good. There's a lot of workouts that I have with it. You know, everybody knows my audio workout. A lot of the guys work out on the audio workout. They've been asking me for a new workout for years. And I go, I do it for eight years. I have 18 new ones. It's on that website, bodiesactionsystem.com. If you want to do, if you like my audio workout, you want to bring it to the next level, trust me, it's insanity, the new levels. And that's why it comes to level one, two, and three. Don't go to three right away. I warn you right now because you're going to go, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I should have started with one. Yeah, you, yeah, you might want to start working out with the, your, your O2 uh, toner exactly. there first. Betrayer.com first, then get on the, uh, the body action system. Yeah. No, it's, uh, well, I... Boss, I mean, I, I, I'm really impressed with the, uh, I did not know anything about uh, this, uh, you know, the O2 trainer whatsoever, but I, I did I did know about your, your body action system because I, I've seen it at, at a number of gyms. So it's kind of like, a, and I've actually used it a few times, so. Nice. Good. Yes, yeah, so as long as it's I, set up the correct way. Some people, they set it up in such a way, go like, yeah, how can you think like that? For instance, if you have something, that you want to, uh, that you're pushing from here, right? You would think you put the bar here, right? Behind right, it, the stick right. behind the door. Some people set it up like that. And so it falls over. He goes, oh, it falls over. I go, and then when you tell them, you look at the instructions, you yeah. know, then they get offended. Instead of saying, oh man, I was an idiot. They don't even own it. They're going to go, oh, yo, yo, it's stupid. You should have said that. Just look at the picture and just common sense. Who, who, who thinks like that? It's the most... Well, <laughs> a lot of people. It's, it's like putting a stick against the door, but the door opens to the outside. You know, yeah. It's just not really working, right? <laughs> Boss, we, we kind of covered a little bit this a little earlier before getting even going out alive here right now, but common sense is not very common anymore. Oh. Stupidity is running rampant. Well, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that there. That, uh, hey, I thought uh, we weren't getting political. <laughs> well, there it is. I, I can put that just across the board. I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, some, some of the stories that we talked about before that, uh, 
I actually have a teaching degree from Arizona State, and I've done a lot of substitute teaching, and it really it just blows my mind what these teachers leave behind for me to try to teach yep. in their place. And I'm going, half the time, I just wind up with what I see that I throw it on out, or I just rip it on up, shove it right back in the box, thinking, well, the, some of the principals, uh, not the principals, yeah, the, usually it was the secretaries that would beat me when I was going to their office at whatever school I was walking into, and then it might be my second or third time that I see this stuff, and I just throw it right back in the cubby hole, and like, don't you going to need your instruction? I go, the guy left me nothing. So it's kind of <laughs> like going, I'm actually going to go in there and do something called teach yep. for the first time and, and teach these kids how to use this gray, app, this gray matter and this apparatus up here above their shoulders. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You, you make everything easier. You know, like we always talk about this. Everybody gets a prize. You can't lose anymore. Right. You set them up for failure. You set them up for failure. Cause and effect. If you lose a fight, what does it mean? You're going to have to train harder, right. get better at technique, right? Yeah. If, if, I, if I win anyway, why would I go get better? Right. It doesn't really matter. You see, so at school already, they immediately start failing them. Everybody gets a prize. There's no more losers. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing there is. It is you know? incredibly it's, stupid. Yeah, because the kids who are overweight and who eat bad and everything, maybe losing will inspire them to maybe start running a little bit and get healthy. Do, don't we want our kids to die of old, age, uh, of old age instead of a freaking heart problem or whatever? You would think, yeah, you would diabetes, think so. heart yeah. problems, yeah, all that stuff there. That, uh, oh, you yeah, don't want to hurt their feelings, you know. Oh, so. that's another thing. Oh, you and oh no, this is the worst. You can do anything you want. Yeah. You can do anything you want. You can do. No, you can't. <laughs> I want to be a jet fighter pilot. There's no my, my ADHD. I'm gonna crash everything. <laughs> I know I can. I know my limits. It's stupid. Okay, I want to be a world greatest guitarist. I can't, you know? So stupid. Well, boss, boss, you coming from the Netherlands, and you said you came uh, from the Netherlands. You said you're at 35 or? Yeah, 36. 36. 36, okay. So, again, every time that I travel, because, again, I'm born and raised here in the United States uh, from the state of Michigan, but every time I travel to different countries, I see an immediate difference in the people. Because yep. usually most foreigners, they're thinner than most Americans oh, yeah. because they do this thing called walking. Yep. They walk more, they bicycle more. They just, uh, I, I think they actually engage a lot more social type of things, but it's not, uh, it's not grabbing your cell phone. It's simply just working your thumbs out. I mean, they actually go for walks. They, talks, yeah, but not they, only that, just, then they, they, the, the food here, everything. I came to America and I ordered a, a Coke and they said, what Coke you want? I said, give me a large one. In Holland, the large is as big as a small one here. When they give me half a gallon of Coke, I go, what is this? He goes, that's a large Coke. I go, okay, large pizza. Large pizza, in Holland, this is the pizza. That's what you get. It's a food. It's like they do it in Italy. Here, a large pizza, and then people get used to that. And they do it more and more and more. It's the amount of food that they eat. Everything is more. And they should start cutting portions smaller. That's what I believe. You know, because what? people are just a hurt and everybody, you know, you, you expand your, your, your belly, right? Now you need more and more and more. It's it's a disorder. Well, I think a lot of the Americans, they understand your breathing routine, but it's not for breathing. It's their expansion through food consumption. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to go take another plug. This helps with natural weight loss. Also, can read it in, in medical uh, journals, 100%. Really? Yeah. Because it really works your core. Like a lot of people in the beginning. Now, I always thought this. If you do stamina, that's the way to lose weight. 
But what we don't realize is it's not. You, you lose fluids, but you don't lose weight that you need to lose uh, or gain weight. The best way to lose fat is power training. It's not, it's not stamina going all the way. It's power training. You burn way more fat with that than by hitting a bag. How is that possible? I always thought that, was, that wasn't. But once you think about it, it's actually true. Because all those muscles that you're working, they need an, a, a source, a food source. And what is the first thing they're going to attack is the fat. You see, and that's why you lose so much weight. And yes, you lose weight after uh, a, a 5K run, but it's most of the time it's just fluids. The next day you're the same weight again because you drink the fluids again. You see what I mean? Okay, here's the right. Why is it then when they have these uh, eating contests? I know we're going way off uh, to some tangent now, but when, when, when we you see these different eating contests, why is this always this little Japanese Kobayashi. fellow Kobayashi. That, 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 that's winning all these hot dog eating contests? Yeah. And I'm thinking the guy looks, he, he actually looks like he's, he's in shape and stuff like that, but uh, a lot of the other representatives, they are the what you expect to see really heavy set individuals yeah and if you if you look at a kobayashi i think is his name that uh, the world champion is actually beaten now by by an american guy who is a big a bigger guy but if you see his workout routine dude he he go, he's like a freaking pro bodybuilder almost he goes full attack two hours a day he's training his muscles and that's why he just burns everything that he puts in yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't think it's a healthy thing especially when you start eating a lot of meats you know meat is great but i don't think like five pounds of meat every day is simply not a good thing everything too much is not good too much love that's the only one right there right there <laughs> okay. sitting next to you so you talk about that word called moderation because uh, I, I, i'm a big believer that you can do almost anything as long as you use that word called moderation that's it 100 percent moderation temperance you know controlling the appetites right and the appetites i mean everything with well that's where addiction and everything else starts yeah. it's all about not control <laughs> yeah, i was talking to don about that you know a lot of people they think they're they're in control because they can drink whatever they want they can have sex whatever they want they can be angry they can sh shout they, they, you're actually not in control because you're not in control of your vices you can't say no you know if you if you come home for instance uh, and, and, and you have a 14-hour day, and then, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night, you still have to eat, you have to shower, the next day you have to go up at 4 o'clock again. And it's another big day. But you're really mentally drained, and uh, you, you really want to take a, a few drinks. Well, saying no at that moment to those drinks, well, it's kind of hurting you, right? It's kind of suffering. But it's the smartest thing to do. But nowadays, we're in such a way, oh, we want it, we take that. Oh, we, oh I can't calm down, I take a pill. I want to lose weight, I take a pill. Oh, cholesterol is up, I take a pill. Everything is sleeping, I can't sleep. Well, I can't sleep, but it takes 30 minutes, I want to sleep now. So they take a sleeping pill. Everything is pills. Nobody is simple. I used to be exactly like that. I did everything. I pills for high blood pressure, pills for uh, cholesterol, uh, for sleeping. I did everything. And then I realized, wait a minute, let's clean up my life. You know, and then I start eating healthy. And that happened actually after my last fight in 2006 because it was the first time, because I was 42, that I had a nutritionist who, who helped me with my food. And I felt so amazing. And that's when I start cleaning everything up. And what do you know? Everything went down. No medication. No medication to go to sleep. I mean, by simply eating healthy and being healthy. It's that simple. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. This, uh, the, the American diet is it's horrible, but then a lot, a lot of times when you look at uh, how food is made, how it's processed, refined, and all the different additives, and yep. the, then they have the masking names that go along there, so they're not telling you all the different types of sugar that they're putting in to make things taste better when they're, they're, not, they're not even coming close to eating <laughs> real food anymore. 
for. So it's uh, uh, some of that stuff is, uh, I mean, both Don Fry and myself, we both went down to South America and uh, to get some stem cells. Yeah. And they, uh, they, they gave you a, like a diet plan that you should be on at least 30 days before your body takes on the, the stem cells. And then even afterwards, some of the things that you should, you should do. But to me, a lot of it was common sense. But uh, as we stated earlier, common sense is not very common anymore. Yep. It's out. Yep. And it, it, it is so much, but the simplicity of driving through a fast food restaurant in the mornings to grab that quick fix of something to eat, something to drink. Right? Like you said, uh, I know a lot of Americans, they go to there just to get that big, that big uh, gulp type of uh, uh, Coca-Cola there in the morning. And uh, whew, that's not doing them a whole lot of good when you see all the different videos of all the things you could do with the Coca-Cola there to clean off your battery terminals and the whole nine yards, you know, that you're putting that in yep. your stomach at that point. It's insanity. It's insanity. And you know, for me, I'm very good with building a habit and I stay with it if something is good. Like for instance, my if you see me eating, eat sweet potatoes. This morning at six o'clock when I was driving up to the airport, my wife was driving. I If you see the amount of sweet potatoes that I eat, it's crazy. It's three pounds at <laughs> least. And I do this every single day. And why would I do that? Because I always feel good. I never have a bad experience if I do that. The only time when I eat different is when I'm on the road in the morning in a hotel and I will eat eggs and, and I will, and don't get me wrong, I will eat steak and I will eat the good food later on the day, but my breakfast is always the same. There's no salt in there, no nothing. It's super boring, but it makes me feel really good. People look at me the whole time and say, oh, are you using steroids, are you doing it? Well, I think I actually look better now than when I was competing physical and i'm the same weight everything is the same well uh if people excuse me say oh you used steroids when you was fighting well i'll i'll take any test with every person at home you can come and test me any day you want but let's put the money down i want to put the money down because i look actually better now than when i was competing so hey listen if i was using as when i was competing i have to be using right now <laughs> i'll take the bet any bet go up to a hundred thousand whatever you want to bet Please get me. I even bring it further. If you, but if you're going to need to go for a big, uh, a big amount, you can follow me for six months. But now I'm going to talk about half a million dollars, right? And you can test me every single day. You can do a blood test with me, and to see if I use something. And I'll promise you, I look exactly the same as I uh, uh, look right now. Okay, take you, the bet. What, what what's the uh, significance of the sweet potatoes? Because you, you brought that up as one of your things that you eat for for breakfast is sweet potatoes. Why? Because <laughs> I know some benefits. I do eat uh, sweet potatoes there too, but I'm just curious as to why you eat them. It's a great energy source. I work with this guy, William Vandry. He's from Vandry Jiu-Jitsu. He's in Austin, Texas. And this guy's a very freaking smart guy. I mean, he will quote something out of a book and he says, oh, that was on page 12 and then at this time. I mean, like, whoa, 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 what, what, what's going Sometimes when he talks to you, you go like, I gotta go, stop, 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 stop. Dumb it down, you know? I'm not like you, you know? You're gonna have to explain it to me. He put me on this program also for, because John Fitch with him, John Fitch was in a lot of pain. Well, he made that pain disappear. And I said, oh, with my knees and everything, I need something like that. So I started talking to him and he's just, he, he writes everything down. He wants to see your blood. He wants to, even the fillings in your mouth, he, everything he takes down to the T and then he starts building a program for you. And that just helped me a lot. And especially with my cartilage, you know, he says I can, I, he believes that he can build my cartilage back, which I don't think it is because my kneecaps are bald. And if there's a little cartilage, yeah, then it might regrow because there is something, but it is nothing. And he says, no, I truly believe I can. And I got to tell you, my pain is much better than before, uh, before I started with him. 
You see, so and it's just healthy food. And he told me about uh, sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes, uh, normal potatoes, put a lot of starch, and there's some bad things about. It. I love like the Yukon Gold potatoes. One of my favorite potatoes. I can eat it just like that. There's such a good taste if you have a good one, right? But he says sweet potatoes. They give you energy right away because of the sugars in there but it's natural sugars and it's just much healthier for you less inflammation and once you said the well, word less inflammation i go with that they, well but they, they're an anti-flam though i mean that's what the one thing i learned about that's uh, it yep. sweet potatoes that, that they're they're good for taking inflammation out of the body so yep i actually well i learned that well through the uh, the, the information that they gave for the the stem cells but then I've always, I've always enjoyed eating sweet potatoes, especially more than I did eating normal potatoes. Yeah. Yeah, I've been eating it for a freaking a long time right now, just every day. I, I The amount of sweet potato bags that I buy at Costco is just insanity. <laughs> I think four bags at the same time, you know. it's like And, and, and then <laughs> all this bread, same thing. If you eat bread, take the sourdough bread. Don't eat the other bread. Because all that yeast and all that stuff also causes inflammation. Every grain, pretty much, causes inflammation. Now, do I cut it out? No, I love a pizza here and there, and I love a, a spaghetti, and I'll eat all that. But if I can avoid it, I avoid it. And it makes me feel good. If I have less pain, I sit down with less pain. That's everything to me, especially at this age right now. But on that bread, I mean, you, you mentioned about seeds being uh, really uh, bad for you, though. I always yep. thought that, that the more grains, the seeds and stuff like that, that was actually good for you when it comes to, like... Whole, whole foods. Yeah, that's what no. I thought as well. No, it, Only it if is you're not. a bird. Listen, I have now, I have special water filters that you heard about the Berkey. And I, I listen, I, I don't know these people. This is not a, a plug. But that's what William Vandry told me as well. Get the Berkey water filter. That's literally a filter you can piss in on the top. You can fill it up and you can drink water at the bottom. That's how good it filters the system. Yeah. So every, everywhere you go, there's chlorine in the water. That chlorine over time is bad for you. Toothbrush. My toothpaste is different now. There's no more chlorine in there. Uh, fluoride. What do you call it? Fluoride. 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 Yes. Yeah, fluoride is Dutch. That's why I was putting it in there. But also, over time, it goes right away into your gums, and your gums, it absorbs in the body. Over time, it, it will become bad for you. So all these little things that you certainly can't do anymore, but once you cut them out, you realize it actually works. You see? So, But you simply have to do it. You know, if you are in a lot of pain, this is what I did one time. In a lot of pain, I, for one week, I only ate vegetables and potatoes. Nothing more. And I say, I'm just going to see what happened. And my pain, 80% gone. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have any pain either because I'd kill myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I know. But then at least you know where it comes from. And then you can say, oh, if, the, if, if you eat something and you have inflammation, okay, I should just eat this less. Not every single day. And you know what it is? If you eat it less, like you see me eating burgers. I eat burgers four times a week, in and out burgers. And I take two double-doubles with fries and people go, it's crazy. Okay, but at least it's never been frozen, that food. It's, uh, you know, but it's still, I still have my things that are wrong and I still eat those. But for the rest, I'm eating clean. It's just, you know, if you want to get rid of the pain and feel better, and mind also, you'll be amazed with simply uh, less uh, inflammation. Inflammation is everything. The flu is inflammation. Everything you have, pretty much every disease is a, is a sort of inflammation. Yeah. So once you get rid of that, you're going to feel like a million bucks. How do you feel once you get a cortisone shot? You feel really good, right? right. What does it do? It takes away the inflammation. <laughs> you see what I mean? Only do it the natural way because, of course... 
doing cortisone the whole time. That's actually stopped my career because when I was a kid, I took 45 pills a day, three times 15. Jeez. And at the time, they didn't know what the long-term effect was going to be from cortisone. Right, right. And I was eating those like freaking candies, you know? And at the end, all my tendons, because my muscles were apparently stronger than my tendons because they, it was attaching, uh, attacking my tendons. And they got weaker and it started hurting like really bad. I would lose weight from the pain. So training was not fun for me anymore. I mean, once it would hit, and it's three weeks before the fight, every single workout, I would be after workout at 45 minutes. Somehow you can put the clock on it. And at 45 minutes, pain starts for an hour and a half, two hours. Insane pain. Now, you before a fight, can't take painkillers, can't do that thing, because otherwise you're going to have that crap again, and it slows you down. You see, so I said, okay, that was for me the reason to, to quit, and uh, not, not to fight anymore. Hmm. Well, I, I learned a few few different things, but I actually appreciate that there, boss. I mean, it's uh, I'm actually taking some notes here as we go through there, because each, <laughs> each guest, I, I try to learn a few new things. It's kind of like, it's selfishly, it's just for myself here at the time, because uh, everyone wants to live as long as possible, and everyone would like to have quality of life. And I always say that when somebody dies... Go to their medicine cabinet, something that you touched on earlier. Go to the medicine cabinet or look at their nightstand and count how many different pills yep. are they taking at that point in time. And I mean, you know, big pharma, big pharmaceutical companies, they're, they're big. And, and a lot of your doctors are, are great at always prescribing a pill. Uh, you have a headache here. Take this pill. It'll take care of your headache, but it might give you blurred vision. It might give you diarrhea, but no problem. We got two more pills for you to take care of the blurred vision yep. and the diarrhea. That's going to give you other stuff there right now. And I always tell you, when people finally do pass along, did they die of natural causes or did they misdiagnose themselves? Did they take too many prescription drugs? It, listen, you it's, know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, sad. All, it's masking. It's masking. If you have a pain, your lower back pain, find out why you have the lower back pain. Most of the time, it's your, your, your posture. You walk wrong or so. No, no, put a pain pill in there. Just mask it. Problem is not going to go away. Right. You're going to have to change your posture. Your body is a perfect machine. It is. You know, if something is wrong, you're doing something wrong. Most of the time, and again, it's breathing as well because everybody breathes wrong. You know, it starts with that. You know, but every little injury that you have, you know, inflammation here. Why is the inflammation there? Did you hit it? Did you hurt it? Did you, maybe you do something, you work a lot on the computer. How many people have that carpal tunnel from being on a computer? <laughs> I mean, you see what I mean? But take a pill, take a pill. No, you're going to have to change that habit because otherwise it will never go away. You're just masking it. And now you're going to be have an addiction. And now it's, I mean, it's all the time. Fix the problem. That's what they should do. But the dog's not going to tell you that because then it can't sell you anything. Right. Right? Uh, I mean, boss, I mean, when's the last time that you and I have actually seen each other? Because I remember, I'm trying to think of the, the uh, network you were working with, because you've worked Inside with several MMA. networks uh, doing play-by-play, -play, color commentating, and doing different results of uh, fight shows and things of that nature. Yeah. I think that's what last time TV. I actually I think so too. saw you was, was, was one of those. Access TV, yeah, yeah. And maybe an uh, inauguration from some fighter, maybe. Uh, at the UFC Hall of Fame, maybe I was there also. Yeah, like I say, I've only ever been to two of those, and that was for either myself or for Don Fry. Otherwise, yep. I don't. Uh, I mean, are you are are you still a big fight fan? Do you do you, do you follow UFC at all, or do you? 
I do. I do. I, you know, like last weekend was great. Uh, by the way, when you see them getting tired, look at the fighters who are getting tired. What are they doing? Chest breathing. They're chest breathing. Yeah. Wrong breathing. I can change that immediately by simply using the device. But you see, uh, those things I'm looking now at because it's my job. You know, you start picking out, oh, he breathes wrong, she breathes wrong, he breathes wrong. You know, so, uh, yeah, but I enjoy, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it because, you know, in the early days, you were exceptional if you had stamina. And I realized that, thankfully, very fast, and that's why my career went well, because I I'd already did cross-training right away from the beginning. Because a lot of people, they would separate everything. The one day they do the striking, then they do wrestling, and then they do uh, ground fighting. I go, no, no, the why you're getting tired is the combination. You know, I yeah. always tell people, if you do uh, 50 setups, and now you go try to run on a treadmill, it's going to be very hard. And now I know why, because all these muscles get tight, you can't breathe using your core. You see now, and that's the same with... Punching and kicking. Punching and uh, kicking is all pushing. Once you're on the ground, it's all pulling. You know, so they're two completely different muscles. So if you train them simultaneously, you'll have way better effect. And that's when you get tired. And suddenly, I was, yeah, I had these fights in Japan for 30 minutes. So I needed to be in shape. 30 minutes straight fight, no breaks. That was welcome to Japan, right? And, and, and I found this out on the day of the fight. How funny was, oh, the first I found out this out, this guy walks up to me and there was no way in. And I thought it was odd. And this guy at the day of the fight, because I'm fighting a, a Japanese guy, I thought, oh, you know what? The Japanese are known to be honest people. So he will be on, wait, wait, wait a minute. What, what was the weight? That's what I was thinking. Why? Oh, but they know my weight. So no way in. So the next day, I this tall guy walks up to me, 6'3", and he says, I, I, hey, Mr. Baswit, I say, hey, how are you doing? Nice meeting you. I say, oh, you're the promoter. And he goes, no, no, I'm fighting you tonight. I say, you're fighting me? Yeah. I go, what's your weight? And I remember he was 28 pounds heavier than I was. And I go, oh, that, that's weird. And I look at my manager, and then the promoter walks up. I say, oh, you're the promoter? Yeah, I say, He's 28 pounds heavy. You say, oh, no, Mr. Ruther, there's no weight classes. It's open weight. Everybody fights each other. I go, oh, great. So I tried to act myself out of it. And then I asked him, uh, okay, how many rounds are we fighting? Because I thought we'd go like five rounds or three minutes. And he goes, one round. And I go, oh, nice. I was all happy. How many minutes? And he goes, 30. I go, oh, yeah, great, great. I was, But I was completely bluffing yeah. because it was crazy. But because of that... I just needed to work out really freaking hard. So my stamina was always good. I lost a fight in Holland one time because of stamina. And that, uh, you know, the fatigue makes cowards out of men. That was literally, yes. I mean, you get, I mean, you can't defend yourself. And I go, okay, this will never happen to me again. You see, that's why I never uh, thought it was bad to lose. I've ne but yeah, have you ever been down after a loss? I never. I was always, okay, apparently I need to work harder because I lost the fight. That's what I, how I always brought it to my attention. But, you know, a lot of people are destroyed for a week and are crying. I go, dude, learn. Learn from it. Get better. Yeah. Better no, technique. I, I totally agree with you that if a loss is really not a loss, as long as you learn something from it. You know, because there are a lot of people that they just they just beat themselves up over it and they just it just constantly is on their mind as to why did they lose. And uh, it's, uh, it's just a poor element that, that they have. But as long as you can learn something from it. But uh, I have had one of those matches, just like you said, to where my cardiovascular was gone. And I realized now I'm in deep water. Yep. And uh, I got nothing left in the tank to give. And I, I think I'm about to lose a match because this this guy can't carry my jock strap. Yeah. But uh, he has just enough, enough, <laughs> enough left in the tank that's going to outlast me here. And it's sad. I should have finished him off a lot earlier, too. But I, I carried him long too long, and now I'm going to lose to him. That was, that was one of those sad matches to have. 
Yeah, and you know what? The sad thing now also with the weight cutting, a lot of the weight cutting comes from losing into a fight because they always blame it on... They're not blaming it on themselves. They blame it on the fact that his, his opponent cut more weight and he was heavier the day of the fight. Dude, he's four pounds heavier than you. What is that going to do? Is that really so much? I'm not talking about heavyweight being 220 and fighting a guy like Engano. You know, that's a big difference, right? right. But I mean, come on, man. You, you, okay, let's say 10 pounds. What is 10 pounds going to do, really do? Right. Why don't you get better shape, get better technique, and fight in your own weight class. Because most of the time when they go down, they're even weaker because now they don't give the body what it deserves. The number, second, the number two priority, water. Yeah. <laughs> we're, what, what, we're 98% water, what is it, 96? A really high percentage, right? I don't know yeah. what it is exactly, but maybe it's really bad to cut the water out of you. Yeah, yeah like but there's, uh, I'll, I'll say that coming from a wrestling background, there, there are certain uh, universities that they are notorious or just really hard cutting uh, of weight to where, I mean, the guy should probably be, uh, you know, more like a 150 pounder, but he's going to be wrestled at the 125 pound weight class because yeah. he knows he's going to simply bring out the rest of that water. I've actually been to weigh-ins before where the, the couple coaches, they got the fingertips sticking out there, just holding on their athlete because he's literally, he's so weak and he's blacking out standing on the scales and just that fingertip on there is just keeping him just just stable enough to get off that scale, then to put water right back into it. So I'm a big believer that you shouldn't do crazy weight reduction. Uh, again, going back to the United States, uh, yeah, we could learn to tighten up the belt a whole lot more inside the United States, <laughs> United States altogether. Yeah. Here, getting back to what something you were talking about before, uh, but uh, training wise. What, what do you think about when it comes to like striking? Because to me, grappling, you could go 100% grappling. And as long as you know that, once you, I, I was always big about when I was running classes at my training facility of having no injuries. But it's because I was always there barking orders and saying that, you know, when you've got position on somebody, slowly apply pressure, knowing that give this person an opportunity to tap out. Yep. And if they don't tap out, let it go. You know, you got them. Yep. You could, you could break an elbow. You could, you could really hurt him really bad, but, you, but I always go back to, you need workout partners. Yep. Okay. Don't break your toys because then you have no toys to work with. Cause you still need bodies and shapes of all different types of athletes. Because, you know, I always say that 150 pounds could come, in all shapes and sizes, it could be shortened and thick, like a little fire hydrant. It could be tall and skinny, like a like a uh, pole. And most people fall somewhere in between. Some people have necks. Some people have these tree stumps. You know, yep. you can't choke them because there's no neck to even go after. But when when it comes to striking, what is your feeling about headgear and 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 allowing athletes then to still bang the head? Yeah, I think it's stupid. Uh, headgear will still have the impact. It also troubles, uh, makes your vision bad. It, your peripheral is gone. I think it's really dangerous. I think th this is a fun part. I always do this at seminars. You know, people, te somebody gives me a left hook and they do this. This is the defense. Put their hand against their head. And then I stop the class. I say, okay, guys, let me uh, visualize this. I take this focus mitt. I'm going to tape it to my head. And you're going to hit me with a left hook. What do you think is going to happen? You think I, you can knock me out? And everybody starts laughing. And they go, yeah. I go, well, 
the joke is on you because I see all you guys do this. You, once you make your hand one with your head, it'll go straight through. Now, luckily for us, is that if I give if somebody gives me a left hook and I do and I bring my hand up, he automatically takes the power off because he thinks it's not as effective. But if he would be like what I used to do in fighting, I just hit as hard as I can on your defense. Right. I kick as hard as I can on your defense. It goes straight through. You know, so never make yourself a, you wouldn't block a knee like this, right? You block him here. You know how I block knees? I put my mm. hands on their knees. So they get I don't even let them take off. Simple, right? It's like punching somebody, you stop the punch here. There's no power in there. It's easy to stop. Well, you can do that with knees as well. And especially in MMA, because if they jump guard, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. Having the hands on the knees, you can push them to the side to make sure they don't jump guard. Oh, and yeah, the striking, I, I... with striking, uh, it's, about, it's about sparring partners. Every time when I would get injured in, an, uh, in a striking uh, sparring session, it would be against a person who was uh, a, a beginner or something. So right. maybe one of my friends didn't show up, like Amir Perez was really good, Pedro Hizo, Marco, Marco who was already an animal. Marco doesn't know his own power, and you yeah. got to really watch out because <laughs> yeah. he freaking goes, you know. <laughs> his wife would call me sometimes and, and, and be angry at me because his face was scratched. She said, do you have any idea what your husband does to me? I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm defending myself here. You know, but I had sparring partners, and when I'm sparring, people are on the side who are watching. They go like, oh, we never want to spar with you but we got zero, zero injuries because we know exactly where to stop. I, I won't try to knock you out to the head, but to the body I will, and you better do it to me as well. The legs, okay, you want to go hard, but not too hard because you don't want to get injured into a fight, you know? And then the head, it's just once I see there's a, a clear punch, I just take the power off, you know? And I don't really make it. So I never had an injury training with my training partners. It's always when somebody doesn't show up and then I take a student of something. Yeah. And then, you know, they move weird and you kick an elbow and then the instep and it's always injuries because of that reason. Someone who doesn't know what they're doing. That's yeah. it. It's awkward. It's different than you are. That's why I say always in, in every uh, aspect of fighting, if you are different, you, you're going to win. You're going to be successful. It, like everybody knows how to land a cross, right? But... but or how to throw across. But to land it, since it's one simple punch, now you're gonna have to figure a way out. Now, if your setup for a cross is a setup that he's never seen before, you're gonna be successful. So be creative, be like a freaking Sakuraba. You know, the double judo chop what he did, you know? And people go, what is that? That was not doing anything. That was just a distraction for his punch or for a knee bar or for something, you see? That's being creative. That's doing things different than others. And once you start being different than others, because they don't know. You know, if you have a setup, if you train with, a, let's say, a fifth degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. Now, these guys, of course, they see things coming really good. But if I would be at their level and I have a setup to a triangle choke, for instance, that they never saw, I'm going to catch him with it. Now, I will catch him only once because after that, you know, the, he knows it will never catch him again. But in a fight, that means you just won the fight. Okay. You see? So that's what I say. It's with striking. It's with submissions. Find a setup that they don't know. And once you can do that, you're going to be victorious. Yep. Just to go back on what you were talking about on the headgear, I'm a big advocator that uh, wearing protective gear so that you don't get hurt, so your, your, your training partners don't get hurt. And I always say that uh, you, you have to know, the, again, that word moderation. You can't go 100% in a practice because you're either going to hurt your athletes or your athletes are going to hurt you in the process. And I go, headgear is what it says that it, you put down that headgear, sure, you, they may not cut you. They may not beat up your ears or things yep. of that nature. 
but that gray matter, each time that you hit hit them, it's going to be sloshed around and sloshed around. And now you're going to have people that uh, Alzheimer's or, or early onset of dementia, things of that nature, because that gray matter is not meant to be uh, sloshed around like that, because sooner or later it's going to turn it into pudding. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and, and also... And no, no, I'm sorry, sorry, keep going. No, I, what I want to say is you give your, if you have a thick headgear, you just, whatever thickness that is, you give your opponent that more reach. Think about it. Because if my headgear is here and he starts hitting my forehead, well, his punch just became this much longer. So now if I'm using to stay just outside, to, you know how many contact lenses I lost in, during training? There's a lot. Because I don't, if they hit me, I try to stay just outside the distance. Sometimes they would always stick on their gloves because they would, my eye will be open and they pull the contact off. I had this at least 10 times happening. Now, if you used to that distance, you know, or, or uh, to a certain distance with the headgear, and then suddenly the headgear is off, now your whole timing is off. We're talking inches. A really good striker who's just outside the reach of his opponent, you know, if he needs to know what the reach of his opponent is. That's why most of the time in the beginning of the fight, when I was fighting, I had my hands low. Because I'm pretty sure if I have my hands here, they're going to hit my head. And the first punch, I let him miss here. And every time I let him come a little closer. And now I found this reach. Now I'm just outside this reach. And that's when I start countering my punches. But if you fight a guy like John Jones, who has an 86 reach, and you never spar a guy with that reach, and you don't play this game that I just do, you're going to get knocked out immediately <laughs> because you're simply not used to it. So that's why the thicker the headgear is, the more reach you give your opponent. If they hit, of course, the forehead because that's how thick it is. Yeah, again, I, I like again, I like the, the, the sharing of the, the knowledge of how to trade, how to trade safely because I think there's a lot of athletes that they don't understand this. I think there's a lot of coaches that who never did it and they're trying to tell you how to do it. And it's better to, to actually speak to someone who actually has done it. Yep. And they understand what they might have done wrong themselves and how they learn from their own mistakes and how they have made things better for themselves in the process. I was I always tell people like myself, I was a one-trick pony. I was I was not a striker. But I always said that you have to be within arms reach to punch me. You have to be in uh, legs range to kick, knee or elbow. And I was always good about just staying just outside that, that, that range to where now as I bait you to go for things, I simply watch how do most people train. They throw out, they retract right back on it. And as they retract right back in, that's what I move in for the clinch, yep. the takedown or jamming them up against the uh, cage wall. Because yep. the moment that they clinch, and I always say that, don't take my words, don't take Dan Severn's words for it. I go, watch all these combat sports. Watch boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, Karate Kung Fu. They all have a referee. And each time that these guys start to go out there and throw their spinning back kicks or spinning back fists or punches, they all get entangled somehow into a clinch. Yep. And the mist that that striped shirt individual comes out there and goes, no, no, separate up their fellows or, or ladies. We don't have none of this huggy, squeezy type of stuff taking place. We're here to watch people punch, kick, knee, or elbow. And I always tell people that I was just good about getting those clinches, takedowns, or jam up that's cage wall because I neutralized 90 plus percent of their arsenal. 
And they and they should listen to you. You say, don't take my words for it. But if you look at your record, you've been very successful in, with it. You know, that's how I got better in everything I do. I just steal from others. Mike Tyson. Yes. Oh, why does he hit so hard? He has an open stance. That's why he can generate more power. Oh, but you're only an open target here. Yeah, but that's the only downside. Plus, all the fighters that I know who stand like that, nobody ever went down to the body. Well, if I'm so easy to hit to the body, why don't you drop me to the body? You see what I mean? But we all are, in our minds, we are all programmed to listen to a certain person and, and to automatically believe that. That's what you see now also going on in politics, so to say. Mm. But look, I, I was one time teaching a seminar, and I was talking about my stance, and there was a famous fighter was sitting there. And he said, boss, from now on, I'm going to fight like you. Unbelievable. He says, but one thing. He says, if I bring my, uh, because I don't rotate my punch. I keep it straight. And if it comes naturally, I let it come naturally. But if I tell people to, to twist their hands, they start doing it here already. That's telegraphing. Right. To me, if I see your elbow moving, oh, some punch is coming. This will have a way better penetrating. And this just simply comes from, uh, from karate because it penetrates easier. If you have a target here and the elbow is up, well, you ricochet to the side already if you hit it. See what I mean? But if you, go, if you keep your elbow low, it goes straight through. So it's better penetration. And if it comes naturally again, do it. So he said, okay, everything I believe, he says one thing. Look, this is my hand. And if I twist my hand, look, I'm covered. And I go, and I, I do this. I say, you mean like this? And he goes, shit. Because now my hand is straight and I still have my jaw covered. You see what I mean? But because somebody told him that, he automatically assumed that is the only way to bring the shoulder up. Well, I can simply twist, twist my hand and do exactly the same thing. You see, so I always thought outside the box. The thing with me is also I didn't have coaches. You know, I, I had a coach for general work and for, for striking I had coaches, but I didn't have coaches for submissions. And I just was a little different. That's why I was effective, because I was, again, different than other people. Nobody told me to do it a certain way, just like everybody does. And I, I thought, hey, maybe if I do it like this, it's maybe for more effective. And what do you know? Suddenly it works. You see, again, it's just being different. Yeah, no, that's one of the things I like about when it comes to uh, rolling. Yeah, what if you go through all your training type exercise at a normal workout, then you get to the point that you're, that you're doing some live rodori or something, whatever you want to call it. I just say it, it's just live goals, but it's kind of like going, I would say that you're doing 100% submission grappling, but then you're doing simulated striking so that you might be you might be grappling around. All yep. of a sudden you go up into like like a hammer fist. Yep. But, but, but I always try to tell my guys, verbalize it. Yep. But then go through the mechanical so that you're incorporating as many of the senses as possible and you get used to, you know, say, as your grandpa was a hammer fist and you go up there and you go up to touch it, you re the guy realized, who he, he, he just, uh, he just hammer fist your face right there, but he knows that you got to go back to work tomorrow. Yep. He's being kind to you right now. And uh, that was, uh, that, that was a, uh, the hard part because some of the athletes, did not understand percentages nope. whatsoever. No, zero. And and by, by the way, rolling, that's the thing that I miss the most, pretty much. Because th th the submission game is one of those games that you will never master. It's there's always something every workout you go like oh man that was cool i never i never realized yeah. it it's a little thing but it's always right you always something new pops up and that's what i loved about submission you you never you can never master it because it's endless the combinations you know and then the setups and all that kind of stuff so yeah unfortunately with my knees uh, i can do it for one training and then the next five days i'm going to be in some serious pain so i decided not to do that anymore Oh, here, I'll, I'll recommend something to you. Have you ever heard of uh, 
DMSO. No. Well, just just write those initials down, DMSO, because it'll be something that you want. It, it, again, it's a phenomenal anti-flam. DMSO. DMSO, yep. I first learned about it at the Olympic Training Center back in 1976. All right. Colorado Springs. So, and uh, if, if a trainer is going to recommend it, I mean, obviously they know all the stuff that's uh, that you cannot put into your body because they don't want you testing positive on any, if, if you have to be, you know, blood tests or stuff like that have to come in. But uh, DMSO, it's, it's, a, it's a great anti-flam. Perfect. So it's just, just there. At least, at least I was, I was able to offer you up something new there for you there, boss. Hey! You'll like it there, too. Like I said, it will, it will do the body good, and you'll be really impressed with, uh, with what you're doing. I mean, it's, uh, I, I mean, you've already blown me away with uh, a couple of the adventures that you've come up with. You now, uh, what, but let's, let's, let's just delve into a different area of your life, like the movies. Boop. When did you... When did you first get involved in movies, and what was your very first movie? Ooh, uh, one of the very first movies. First, I had a TV show. It was 18 Wheels of Justice. And, uh, 18 Wheels of Justice? Yeah. You know, big, the, big you, hit. You, you remember the guy right? from the Coca-Cola Light Break who was taking his shirt off? You remember that all the way back? All the from women. The what? Coca-Cola Light Break. It was a Coca-Cola commercial. It was the guy who took off his shirt and he would drink a Coke. And all the women in the office, they would know he would do it and they would look at him. Now, that guy oh. became very famous and then he got his own TV show, 18 Wheels of Justice. And I was a bank robber in that movie, in that TV show. And uh, they put a wig on me and glasses, you know, as my disguise as the bank robber. And my my scene, I, I could dream my scene. I, I, I learned so hard, you know, I memorized everything. I thought I was going to be okay. So, but it was a Thursday. And on a Friday, it was going to be a long weekend. Everybody wants to go home. Uh, and they, they're going to have a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, you know? And um, I was the last scene of the night. So now the cameras are in my faces. Uh, and my, I started sweating. And the, and the wig starts sliding off. The, no, the glasses start sliding off because I start sweating. <laughs> and they go, and action. And I go, What's my line? <laughs> you know, I, I immediately forgot what I needed to say. So I mess it up. I mess it up. I mess it up. And the fourth time I mess it up, I hear the, the, the crew going, oh, like this. And I turned around and I go, give me a break here. I'm freaking nervous as shit. This is not helping. Please. And then everybody started laughing. And then my eyes was broke. And what do you know? The next scene I, I nailed right away. Yeah. But that was just to show you that it's really easy to do in front of a mirror and to memorize your lines, but once they put two cameras in your face and everything, the pressure is on, you're like, whoa, 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 what do I say? You see, it's like fighting. You know, yeah. the first fight I had, I didn't know what I was doing. I know I won, but I mean, it wasn't pretty. I was just hitting him. I mean, you I got those guys in the workout room who win their national championship or world championship every day in the workout room. Yep. But you put them in front of the crowd, it's they a, piss and fin. Yep. yep. And that's... And that's the same with uh, acting. So then I knew, and I already was taking acting classes. Right away when I came to America, I started taking acting classes because I knew eventually I wanted to do something like that. So uh, then I had an, uh, an uh, what was it? Oh, I did an eight, uh, no, The Eliminator. The Eliminator was my first starring movie. 
and where you know this has been done before. You know, people are on an island. Rich people come in and they're going to hunt these people down, right? I mean, it's uh, it is what it is. But I had a lot of fun doing that movie. Then I made a short comedy, The Kingdom of Ultimate Power. You can find this on YouTube, The Kingdom <laughs> of Ultimate Power. Would and, we want to? And I want. Uh, do we want to find it on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You will find it. You'll find it. No, Let's do find, we want to? Oh no, you want to. You want <laughs> to. This is good. This movie actually got me, and here comes the boom, because uh, we won first prize at the film festival. Yeah, and. Uh, and I was the lead in that. So then when the movie Here Comes the Boom came around, Sony Studios, because Kevin is a good buddy of mine, he said, I want Boss for that part. And they said, no, because he's not an actor, we cannot take the risk. This is a $60 million movie. And uh, he showed him the movie that I did, the comedy, uh, Kingdom of Ultimate Power. And that was it. That was the deciding factor. They said, okay, he can do it. You see? But so I was very fortunate to be around people like a Kevin James who gave me just a chance. And Holt McKellany is the lead actor from Mindhunter on Netflix. Yeah, Holt, Holt's a great guy. Holt is I a love, great guy, you know. Holt, yeah. He also, I worked with him on a TV show in Vancouver, and then I was his fight choreographer. And then he said, no, let Boss do the scene one time. And then I did the scene, and everybody go, whoa, and suddenly I had a part. You see, so every time I'm lucky with guys who give me a chance, and then thankfully I do it the correct way at that moment and I was in it that was what happened with Here Comes the Boom as well you know I did a few episodes on King of Queens then after I did uh, Here Comes the Boom he had this new show Kevin Can Wait I did like 21 episodes on that and that was a great one because it's comedy and it was a sitcom and uh, I was telling, uh, telling uh, Tony also it's like it's almost, almost like I was fighting again because during the week you rehearse you do everything and then Friday you film in front of a live audience so now the pressure is on because you can't mess up. But if you mess up and you do it a funny way, people start laughing. Like the first show I did for them, um, I, I came up and they introduced you before and I had like 10 people applauding. You know, there's 400 people there. Like 10 people <laughs> clapping, oh, it's a masoot, whatever. And then after, and I messed up a few times, but I had a great way of dealing with it and make it funny, boom, boom, boom. And, I, and afterwards, when they introduced me at the end to, to farewell, thinking people went up, you know, why? You know, so I went from having 10 people, suddenly everybody started, I go, whoa, this is like fighting. It's like immediately reaction from the audience you know it was super cool you have that little nerve again that you yeah. have with fighting also you know you need that to be on your toes so yeah i really enjoyed doing that uh doing those episodes and then after that unfortunately there's not been a lot there's been a talks i was almost going to do a really good movie a uh, bad guy badass guy not bad guy uh a number two of a movie and i can't say what it is but because it's still on but that was just when COVID hit, and otherwise I would have done that movie. So hopefully now, because he's filming another movie now, this guy, uh, it's going to come back, and I can do that, because then I had a comedy part, and I want to have a, a badass part as well. How'd you meet Kevin James? I met Kevin all the way back in 97, because he and Joe Rogan actually used to watch me fight uh, Pancras uh, from pay-per-view. Yep. So when he found out... That I, I was in May, I arrived in 97, I arrived in L.A. That was what the first season he had the King of Queens. He, uh, when I met him, uh, he found out I was there, so his management called me and he wanted to train with me. And then uh, I met him at his one-bedroom apartment that he was sharing with his brother. You know, this is all the way back, the first season. And, uh, and we just immediately became friends. And he's still a very close friend of mine. I mean, I've known him since 97 now, so within three months I was in America. And uh, and he's still the same guy. Yeah. He never changed. Never became better than other people. It's it's so amazing to be that person in a one bedroom apartment, and now he's Kevin, right. and he didn't change a bit. He's a really good dude. 
That's great. Yeah. Well, they've actually show, showed him, I think, several times actually in attendance at some of the UFC shows in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he loves fighting also, you know. He's a, he's a big fight fan. And he's actually an incredible athlete as well. He hates it when I say this. But when you saw Here Comes the Boom and you see him on the Smith, that's all him. Like, the, there was a fun part because we went to the screening and there was this woman, a writer, was sitting next to me. And uh, when at the very end, Christoph Sosinski has him in an armbar and he lifts him up, he slams him down, and then he hits him and the fight is over. And this woman started, she goes, yeah, right. That's what she said. I go, oh, this is funny that you say that. I think it's on the Blu-ray. She says, what? I say, because he knew this was going to happen. So what happened, all the extras were there. And he says, hey, guys, we're going to bring a crane in. I said, come here first, uh, Christoph. He says, put me in an armbar. And he goes literally like this. Well, he's a power lifter, And he right? says, okay, everybody saw that? Yeah, okay, bring in the crane. Now you know that I can do it for real. Everybody was like, oh, what did he just do? Christoph, 220 pounds. Yeah. Just lifted up like it was nothing. James is a power lifter, right? He's, he's, he used to be a wrestler. He's... He's a strong guy, and yeah. his technique is really good. I remember when I was teaching him the first time, my wife said, and how is he? I go, he's a big guy, but boy, he listens to instructions immediately. I say, oh, turn a little bit more in and do this. He will do that immediately. He's a really good golf player, very good hand-eye coordination. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to figure out how, where do you come up what? with all the time in a day to do all these different things that are a boss. I mean, it's pretty incredible because we've, we've, again, we're, we're just starting to just scratch the surface of a couple of things that you've done between movies, uh, between being, being an athlete, be, with, with your uh, breathing apparatus, your, your striking apparatus. Uh, let, let's talk about Boss Rutten, the author. When did you write your very first book? And was it was it a training manual? Is that yeah. what your first one was? Yeah, it was not a real uh, book book, you know, because uh, I... I uh yeah, I, I don't know if I will be good with that. I will be good if somebody's a ghostwriter and I tell them everything. They want to do it with my life now since I had such a crazy life. <coughs> but this was an instructional. It was the It's the biggest uh, instructional book uh, in the world. It has, uh, I believe, 6,800 pictures. Two, two, uh, two volumes, volume one and two. The boss wrote this big book of combat. And uh, I put a lot of time in that uh, in order to make it perfect, you know, because every, th th this is the worst thing. So I edit the whole book, right? Everything is done. Took me three weeks in order to do that. Long hours a day to make it everything perfect. I sent it to the guy and the guy started editing it because then sometimes it would fit, fit better on a page. Took the whole thing. So now you see me in sitting side uh, mount and then the next picture you see me already finishing an armbar. Dude, I lost it. I go, no, all the, I had to go again for like a week, put everything back. I said, you touch this thing one more time. Unbelievable. People are so stupid sometimes. Yeah. Why don't you ask me first if that's a good idea? I mean, I'm the author, right? I'm showing the techniques. It was insanity. So, yeah, that took a long time uh, to make that. So that was it. And I did a couple of these books. Uh, I did one in France. I did one in Holland. Um, yeah, and, and this one's being the biggest. What other sitcoms did you do with James? Which one? Yeah, what other? Yeah, what, what sitcoms did you do with him? Uh, King of Queens and then the Kevin Can Wait. Kevin Can Wait was the second sitcom he did, on also CBS. Uh, I had a part as the crazy neighbor from Holland. Rutger was my name. 
And uh, I did three episodes in uh, in um, in the first uh, season. That was, that was a stretch, huh? And that was a big stretch yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah. I had to really get into character. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and they loved it. And then uh, apparently people at home, because when they they test every uh, character, and I had really high testing uh, results apparently, and they uh, they wanted me back, and suddenly I was in there. The, if they would have gone to the third season, I would have been a series regular. Yeah. And then it becomes really interesting because once the third season comes, they say it goes at least five or six, you know, and then the money is going to be there as well. Right. So, uh, but unfortunately, the show got canceled because uh, I don't know why. But that 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 was a hard one for me, hard pill to swallow because that was my that's my dream job, right. to make people laugh and to get paid doing it. I mean, <laughs> it's like the best thing on the planet, right? And the hours are great. It's not like fourteen hours uh, on the set. I mean, so I was talking about it before. I was talking to Holt for the movie, uh, for that uh, TV show that he did, Mindhunter, on uh, Netflix. And I said, how's it going over there? And I was doing the uh, the sitcom. And he goes, uh, oh, man, I'm at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm in the makeup chair, 14-hour uh, days, six days a week. Sundays I'm off, but Sundays I just sleep the whole day because yeah. I'm really tired. And he's telling you all these things. And he goes to me, and uh, how's yours? I go, oh, same as you, dude. I mean, Monday we have a table read. And he goes, and then I go, no, that's like 30 minutes. Yeah, but then I say, we go home. <laughs> and, and Tuesday, I say, two days, that's at least like two, three hours. You know, you're blocking it. And he goes, are you serious? <laughs> the thing is with a sitcom that you need to know where you have to deliver the lines so that you map everything through it. And that stays the same, but the jokes change the whole time because they will have it like a small audience kind of who are testing it while you're doing it. And if the laughs aren't that big, they rewrite the, the, the joke. The storyline will be the same, but they rewrite the joke. So you just need to be at the tip of your toes because the, on Thursday, if you think this is it, on Friday, this could be a lot of things right. could be changed and you're going to have to do that. So you have to make sure that you know the lines, that's important, but the hours are much better than doing movies. Yeah, I got lucky. I I worked for Michael Mann three times. You know? It was great. It's unbelievable, uh, that guy. Uh, public enemies, yeah. Public enemies gave me one line. And he says, were you upset? He gave you one line? Says, no, he gave me what he thought I could handle. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, in the Michael Mann movie, yeah. and I loved it. The part was great. You yeah. stood out. You stood out, that is. He's great to work with, man. Yeah, you. I believe yeah. it. I believe it. His movies are great. I mean, I always uh, like them. Yeah, it's amazing. Then, uh, you know, Ruhei Kenmara uh, did the Godzilla movie. We had a lot of fun doing that. He, yeah, I remember was, you were telling me you were in Japan for like a couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah, three doing, months, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he, he's a great director and writer also, you know. I had a lot of fun with him. It's, you know, I never understood you have these uh, directors who are complete douchebags and who scream at the talent. They go like, dude, you don't want to put pressure on them. I mean, they, right. they're going to perform less. You know, like uh, we, we had uh, uh, the the guys on the on the sitcom. I mean, it's such a pleasure to work with these guys. Yeah. If you do something wrong, you know, they just take you to the side and they explain to you. Boo, boo, boo. They will never do anything in public. It's really nice. It's really relaxed. But then again, it's Kevin, of course, picking the right people right. because bad people they don't last with him. No. Shit, I I did that movie uh, Henry's Crime with uh, James Con. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, after the scene, you know, we're all getting lunch, and uh, he says, "Let me give you, let me give you my my phone number, you know, and you you call me, you know." And he says, "You know, 
gets his assistant, give me a no, 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 you you take my phone number, you know, because I didn't think he would answer the phone, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean didn't know. I said, nah, you take my phone, number, you know. That's how I looked at it. Like, but no. you got it? No, no, no. Oh, come on. I, say, I screwed hey. up. I screwed up. Send it to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize what I did until after it was over. I, go, I just I just dissed James Cotton. Yeah, no, you, those things you should always, especially if they offer it, you should do. Yeah. And you know, you're you. You're not going to call this guy every day or text him, hey, man, what's up? What did you think of the fights? You know, right, like, right. like you have these guys, sometimes you give somebody a number, and then they keep texting you, yeah. you know? And then what yeah. you start doing, first of all, you start reacting very late because otherwise, you know, they, they will keep constantly going. Right, right. I go, man, come on. Check that. Oh, what, you know, this is the thing. If, you, if you're texting me, something I don't like is put everything in one text. I don't need, hey, boss. Cling, how are you doing? Send. Hey, this is me. Come. Question for you. Send. And I got like eight texts coming. And I go, dude, put that in one text. <laughs> and now I'm sitting somewhere, like for right. instance here. And if it's on, it goes ping, ping. Or it goes, but it's still, you know, it's there. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's super annoying. Yeah, but that's how people uh, write because they, they write like they're speaking. I say, okay, so if I say to you, hey, how are you doing? Uh, this is boss. I don't wait for him to answer me first. I'm doing great. Oh, that's talking. Yeah, you know, you wait right. for a response, you come right. back. So put everything in one text. So if you at home, you text me, don't do that. And I know some <laughs> friends of mine are going to send me 20 texts now. I know that. <laughs> well, again, the cell, the cell phone has uh, changed our world as well. When you look at, uh, I always tell people, you go to any uh, shopping mall and do a quick 360, try to find the one person that does not. Yep. Have that in the palm of their hand. Oh, everybody. I mean, it's just a, they, they all have it in there. I mean, it just, I always feel sorry for that cell phones because there, there, there will be, there'll be a lady that will walk through there that's wearing <clears throat> skin tight pants. Yeah. And she's already exceeded the tinsel strength of the fat, <laughs> the pure fabric of, of, of the, the pants. And yet she slides that cell phone in her back pocket. I'm thinking that's a thousand dollar computer that's about to be crushed. Yeah. But uh, how do you how do you get that thing out there in an emergency? It's 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 uh, people or they walk into a fountain or yeah, something. You yeah. remember that girl and then she tried to sue these people yeah. because they're making fun of her. I go, dude, be off your stupid phone. Listen, yeah. I uh, uh, last year situational did, awareness. That's just completely gone. It's dangerous, on. and yeah. especially on the street as a woman by yourself. Yeah, you know you should do that, especially late at night. And someone right. put that freaking thing. Keep the keys in your hands, like yeah. all this kind of stuff. You know, it's, uh, it's important that you stay away from it. So uh, last year, what I did, I did, uh, the, they call it the exodus. It's, an, uh, it's a thing where you, for three months, it's like Lent on steroids, uh, meaning you can have only three meals a day. Uh, two days a week are fasting days. Uh, no sweets, no candy, no nothing. In your coffee, no sugars, no, no, no nothing. You can't watch TV. You can't go on your computer or on your phone only for your job. Dan Severin would go into withdrawals on any, any of those. Good. It, it Don, no, 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 I take offense to that. The only, oh. time, only time I'm on my phone is usually for work-related. Uh, yeah, but very, you work. Very rarely it's simply just to, to shoot the shit about nothing. But oh. you, you work 24 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> and no sweets in your coffee? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what it did? Cold showers. You have to work out every day. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. But after three months, I think I, I canceled my social media 80%. 
Yeah. I realized all the time that normally I'm watching a TV show, whatever I'm doing, I'm reading a book now. Yeah. Now I'm actually learning things, you know? Right. It depends on what book you read, of course. But you see, I go like, wow, it really changed me. And then I started just apply those rules. So I have more free time. So the more you do, it's, it's really weird. The more you do, like I wake up in the morning around 5, 5.30. And the first two and a half hours is meditation, stretching. It's other things that I'm doing. It's only for me. And most of the time before 9 o'clock, I already went to the gym and I come home. So when no, And then at 9 o'clock, I'm going to walk the dog. Before that, I already ate. I went to the gym. I did my stretching. I did, I did everything. I read what I need. I memorized things in order to keep my mind because we're getting older. We need right. to keep it intact. You know, but all these things that I do, they say, uh, so when don't you do it? I said, well, I think for the last seven years, that's not one day that I don't do it. I just build a habit again, and I just do the same thing over and over again because it makes me feel good. And now I have, actually, I do so much, and I have way more time. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. So, but it's Well, again, the people are creatures of their habits. Yep. And, and again, if you want to be a, a productive person, be always, okay, what you just stated earlier, everybody's got 24 hours in the day. How much of their day do are they simply just piddling away, doing nothing? Or yep. again, social media type stuff. I can't stand it, most of because I can't figure a lot of the stuff out in the first place. But uh, to me, it's just part of part of the a business tool I use it for. Those yep. people that I that I really need to get in contact with. Oh, I'm I'm speaking to them, but uh, otherwise, I don't want to turn on my cell phone most of the time. But it's there because. I know that most people, that's the only way they know how to communicate with you. Yep. Yeah, no, 100%. And my phone is also off at night. You know, I don't leave my phone on. Why? So when it gets to disturb me in my sleep, that's right. the most important thing that we right. need, right? So let's just simply turn it off. I have it in a special mode that my uh, people know how to contact me. There's a special way to do it. Then it will still off. So if something happens, bad. But I say, yeah, well, what if somebody dies? I go, well, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to change emergency. anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I need to know it now? And you know, if I know it now and I can't go to sleep anymore, then to na the next day I can deal with it less because I didn't sleep. Yeah, but yeah. if I wake up after a good night's sleep, and and then a death hits you in the family, at least you can deal with it better because you're going to be emotional. You see, so all these things are, it's so stupid to do, but you once you realize it and you stop doing it, you go like, oh man, why didn't I do this like 10 years ago, yeah. 15 years ago? My problem is I forget to turn the phone back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just said it. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Put an alarm in there. Yeah, and I'll tell you turn the phone on. Yeah, if you turn only the Wi-Fi off, that's what I mean. Of the, the 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 cell reception, you can do that. What is it called? The plane mode, right? Do that. Yeah, you know, and then put an alarm out and say, "Hey, turn it on." Yeah. Regular alarm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but a big. No, well, basically, what I'll do is I'll simply just I, I kill the volume. Yeah. So I I like to. There's times that I'll just wake up in the middle of the night and. I, I, I wonder what time it is. So I like to know that the cell phones, I'll go there just to see, well, what time is it? You know, because I don't have the, the normal clock radio sitting over at the side anymore. But uh, that that way, it, you know, I go, oh, I could sleep for another couple hours or, oh, I'll be getting up here in the next 45 minutes. Sometimes it's hard to get shut back down again. So I might just get up. Yeah, but the, the thing with the phone is, for instance, also, like, for instance, with me, if I wake up and I do, a, like, a 30-minute meditation thing, if I would look on my phone and I look at one text message, my meditation will be gone. Because with my ADHD, uh, my head is there. 
So I just taught myself to not read anything on your phone before you do the meditation, right? Because otherwise you're going to be distracted. And those things you simply have to learn. And with meditation, explain, explain, people, explain that. Explain that when you say that you meditate, because different people may not quite understand when you say that you meditate. Explain a little bit more. What do you do? What do you do for meditation? I go over situations that, for instance, have an interview. And then I go over the over the questions that might come and questions that maybe I don't want to answer, but if they come, how do I answer them? And I just visualize, visualize, visualize everything you did. What I also do is like I go back in the day, the day before. What did I do wrong the day before? You know, how can I stop doing that from happening again? What did I do right? Can I make this better the next time? Yeah, there's always room for improvement. But just thinking about those kind of things puts you in the right mindset because now if they appear again, you're going to be ready for it because you just visualize it you know and then it's clearing everything out you cannot do anything else only on those situations and meditating for me trying to think of nothing is it's a nightmare i can't my because my mind is way too crazy mm -hmm. i'm flying all over the place but once i do that like for instance when i was competing um uh, in japan you know it's very hard to sleep because nighttime is daytime if you come from holland well t t uh, 12 o'clock at night is is two o'clock in the afternoon for you. Right. So all night you're going to be awake because it's daytime for you. And then I couldn't sleep and you don't want to take sleeping pills because they're going to might affect you with fighting. So I go like, how do I go? And the people always say, don't go to the fight because it gets your nerves. I found out that going to the fight and actually going over what you can do will put me to sleep. And th that's what I started doing. I started visualizing the fight. Oh, he throws across, oh, I slip. I could do whatever combination I did, and I start slowly but surely visualizing. Always me, of course, winning it, never getting hit, because otherwise I might not be so happy. But, you know, do that, visualize that, and suddenly I just fall asleep. I go, wow, it actually works. I did this with pain as well. If you have pain, everybody says, oh, think about something else. No, go to the pain. That's what I figured out that this helps way better. Oh, it hurts. Whoop. I go with my whole mind right away to the pain where it hurts. And then it takes the pain away. It's really weird. You just embrace it somehow. Yeah. And then the body says, it's okay. And, and once it, it works with the pain, yeah, I'll do yeah. it with everything. Because everything works the same. You know, it's just doing it. Like I stopped, uh, like if this uh, rubber band, right? That's how I stopped swearing. Yeah. You know, when I said, okay, now it breaks. But I would go back, back a few times and it starts hurting. Barbed wire. <laughs> That's it. But, yeah, go really hard. But you see what I mean? But, and then I realized, wait a minute, if I can do this with that, I should be able to do this with everything. Now I've got angry in traffic. You know, I want to do something. Go think, think. And somehow it works. Yeah. And I calm down. Because it's like you, you take attention to something else. It's, I, it works perfect, perfect. Try it out. What happened to your, your cooking show called Grandma's Kitchen? I should do that, right? Yeah. The yeah. Grandma's Kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. I'm actually a culinary chef. I went four years to culinary school, the French cuisine, uh, when I was younger, you know, because I wanted to be chef. That was my original profession. And then I had a little fallout with a chef, uh, with a chef cook somewhere. <laughs> and uh, and it, went, uh, it went wrong. There's a funny story, by the way. In Holland, a chef is called a K-O-K, cock. <laughs> so check this out. So we just arrived in America, and then after six months or something, my wife decides to go out with a group of women, 
and uh, and uh, they're sitting at table at the dinner, and they ask my wife, "says How how is your?" I see husband? where this is going right now, but go ahead. <laughs> she goes, "Oh, he's awesome! I got my own personal cook." <laughs> and everybody, and my wife is like very introvert. And while she says that, she realized what she just said. She goes, "No, no, no! In Holland, you know, and she's digging a hole deeper." Everybody's like, "But it's true." Okay, okay, that's. In all a fucker, you know, for the the meet the fuckers. Yeah, that's a typical name in Holland. Yeah. He had an airline company, fucker. <laughs> you know, can you imagine? I would if that would have stayed in business. I would always fly with fucker. Yeah, <laughs> F O K K E R. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. You know, sometimes these mistakes. There's also some things when you say um, uh, a cunt, K O N T, is 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 a boob, uh, uh, a butt cheek. But if I say here, oh, like a cold, that, that everybody thinks you're saying the C word. Yeah. You know, so these things you find out really fast because people suddenly look at you and say, oh, it's K O N. Yeah, yeah, try to explain it. You know, people don't believe it anyway. But if you go to the, the Dutch language, you will see I'm 100% right. <laughs> were, were you fighting before being involved in Pancreas? So what were you doing in the Netherlands that, that finally took you to Pancreas? Because I only know Pancreas was being in. Japan. So, what were you doing in the, the Netherlands at that time? I was a, I was a Thai boxer, and uh, I beat a bunch of guys. Um, and then apparently, I, of, I I took a fight on New Year's Eve one time when I was drunk, uh, and I didn't train for three years. And I was a bouncer, so that meant at five o'clock the the cl the club would close, and then we would go to after parties. And of course, everything wrong you do at these parties. And then I was drunk, and I thought a little. Uh, and this one guy, uh, Frank the Animal Lotman. Uh, he was going to come out of prison. He was training in prison, and he needed a, 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 spar a, a fight. And they said, you want to fight him? Now, since I knocked everybody out before, I thought, oh, yeah. But that was in a whole different class. This guy was A class. He was a professional fighter. I never fought that level. But me, being bragging, right, I say, okay. So three weeks before the fight, I get a phone call, and they said, hey, where do we send the posters? And I said, what posters? He said, from the fight. I said, who's fighting? He says, you. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? G against who? And he goes, Frank Lotman, I go, the animal. Yeah, I said, when did I say that? <laughs> and then I start thinking back and I realize, oh, shit, I, yeah, I met the guy and I probably said yes, so now I better own up to my word. But, you know, I couldn't even sk rip, uh, skip rope for 20 minutes by first class because I was completely trashed. But I took the fight. And needless to say, I lost that fight. And suddenly the the... the backlash that I had like I was the worst guy but and it, it really it, it, it hurt me right. you know because they forgot about all my winning fights and they suddenly I was the worst fighter what's motivated you though Demo yeah no 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 at that moment no I said this no. is it I don't fight for uh, for the Dutch people anymore and then I met my wife in 92 in February and I think in June or something she says hey you're going to be a famous fighter in Japan and I go that's a weird thing to say I said because I'm not going to fight anymore she said no I know that but you, you're going to go to Japan this was before I knew about free fighting anything a year later I got invited to do a tryout for Pancras they were in Amsterdam and I go to the tryout I, I knock a guy out because he tried to knock me out uh, he wanted to show off I guess um, I warned him twice, but I, he, he kept going, so I had to do it. And that was it. I got the job, and I was fighting in Japan. Then I'm fighting in Japan, and, and she, like, for two years in, and she goes, we're going to go to America, you're going to have a TV show. <laughs> Freaking crazy, right? And then... Uh, your, your, your wife said all this? Yeah, my you? wife said this. It was the wildest thing. She just had wow. this weird look on her face. And I go, what's going on? She said, she's going to be a famous fighter in Japan. I go, no, well, I would never fight again. But she, I, was, I didn't even know. So what happened after the last time I lost, 
uh, and I didn't want to fight anymore, I still wanted to do something with martial arts. And I had a partner of my, uh, my who was my, my, my coach at the time, Taekwondo coach, Roland Janssi. He was a very technical, really good guy. He taught me a lot with the kicking and power and all that stuff because he was the opposite of, at the time, of Taekwondo point system. He was going full power and he taught me. And we started doing these shows on, uh, uh, like to a nightclub at midnight, the lights would go down, high-pitched music came, we came up with our freaking uh, body pads and pumped up bodies, and then we start doing uh, uh, fight scenes, and with sticks, and with nunchucks, and with, and with break tests, and we kick cigarettes out of the mouth, and we had backflips, and all that kind of stuff. And that suddenly caught on, and then we start adding uh, comedy to it. And now people start really gravitating towards it. Then we got on Dutch TV. We start going to European TV. Uh, went to France. We start doing these shows everywhere. We would always come up with like backflips back and somersaults. And then on one of these shows, that was when Chris Dolman, he stopped me and he says, hey, I remember you from Thai boxing. And now I see you do all these crazy backflips. Have you ever thought about free fighting? That's what they called it at the time. This yeah. is all 92, you know? And that was the setup. So I gave him my number. And then when he called me, uh, for the tryout, that was him. But that's how I literally, how I got the job. Really weird. But suddenly I'm fighting in Japan. Hey, it's Tim. You, you had to appreciate the Japanese uh, audience, though, did you? I mean, it's, uh, they're, they're very, I'll say they're very quiet, very studious uh, yeah. type audience, but uh, they appreciate it. That it's kind of like, uh, you know, those were the biggest crowds I was ever in front of was those Japanese crowds. Listen, the, it, it changed my life. It changed everything. I was the guy who was very uncontrolled in fighting and Thai boxing. I won because I was just powerful, I think. But if I would face a guy like a Peter Ertz at the time or something, who was A-class fighter, I would probably run out of gas and would have a problem. Because I just unloaded, and a lot of people just simply couldn't deal with that. Mm. But technically, I wasn't thinking. I was like the I was in the gym much better then I wasn't fighting. Just my strength made me win these fights, you know? And then when I went to Japan, I think it was because of the great difference, 28 pounds heavier, and the one round of 30 minutes, and I realized, I go, oh, wait a minute, if I unload in the first one and a half minute and the guy doesn't go down, I got 28 and a half more minutes <laughs> to go. So I put these big R's on my hand, which stands for rustig. Coincidentally, relax is the same word, starts also with an R. And, and that was it. And then when I was fighting that fight, I always tell people this, when I was doing uh, Thai boxing, every picture you saw of me was like this. <sighs> That my facial expressions were like I was I was trying to kill you, and in Pancras when I look back after my first fight it was there was no emotions anymore right. and I was blocking everything without emotions I was like where I heard the, the the American people on the first row I heard talking what they were talking about I never heard the corner or something everything became so so I think the combination of thirty minute fights the the 80, 28 pounds heavier and then the complete quietness turned me into the fight. Now suddenly I became the fighter that I was in training. And that's when I put everything together. That's why, you know, when uh, Roots of Fight came to me and they wanted to do this series with me like as a Thai boxer, I go, no, I'm the mixed boxer. Go Peter Ertz, go on Ramon Dekker, Ernesto Host. I mean, all these, these are great strikers from Holland. Compared to them, I'm not that great, you know? I Let me do the, be the mixed martial arts guy because that's what I can do. So, yeah, i always be very honest about that because this is simply the truth. But once in Japan, that's when I started flourishing, so to say. Let people know what, what's all your different type of social media that uh, where they can reach you at or something like that. Their boss, I mean, that'd be the, like the thing that uh, we like to let all these people to know. What, what, what are your, your upcoming big projects that you have going and where can people reach you or... You, if you have a fan club or 
or just, I mean, you've, you've talked about so many wonderful things here. I mean, you've got so many different websites. What's, is there one place where they can do one-stop shopping? <laughs> you know, it's like on social media, like I said, I don't do crazy. I just started with crazy stories that I did, climbing out of a window 42 stories high in Japan, breaking a safety things to slide over a little ridge to go to knock on a window without, because I thought Frank Shabok was there, drunk out of my mind. I mean, dude, things that I did that you go later in life, you go, oh, dude, I could have killed, uh, so easy that. You know, so I start making videos like that. It's called uh, Tales from the Car. I do it right while I'm driving in my car. I explain it to the camera. Uh, that is something that I just started with, so that needs to be picked up because, I, like I said, I almost don't do anything on social media anymore. But one of the biggest things that I'm super excited about is Karate Combat. Karate Combat is this professional karate league, full contact karate league, that takes Olympic wrestlers... Uh, taekwondo uh, karatekas and they put them in a pit and a special design pit with 90 degree uh, walls, shaped walls that they can use to their advantage, they can run up and kick and they can do crazy stuff, there's a takedown rule and then you can unload for 5 seconds as well and that has been for the last 4 years, it's been it's been great where I mean, it's, uh, we film overseas I can't say where um, uh, but they're going to be live shows now this season I do know that uh, George Pierre just got pulled in as well, and that was great because they said maybe uh, they wanted to go for Stevie Seagal or something. They go like, why don't you go like GSP? He's a freaking black belt karate. I mean, yeah, but how do we get him? I said, let me call him. Call so him. I text him, and he calls me immediately. He goes, dude, I will. I love that show. I've been watching it for two years already. Boom, he's on board. Leo Machida, also karate guy. Boom, he's on board. You know, so we got this Josh Palmer, Leila Anneli, the, the the co-host for me, Josh Palmer, Leila Anneli is also the host. She's awesome. Uh, and then Robin Black, he breaks down the fights, and we go at these crazy experiences because it's all CGI'd. So we are the future, we are in the past. We're we're, we're doing we we're going to an uh, we're going into space and we go to special uh, planets where we fight. And every time it's a new environment. And it's, if you go to karate.com, you're gonna find out that you've never seen anything like it. And if you see these athletes, think about it. These are Olympic level athletes performing full contact. At, uh, at Karate Combat. Karate.com, come over there um, on Thursday, tomorrow, the, of the, the, the 16th of December, actually. Um, I'm gonna, there's gonna be a short movie, <coughs> like a 60, 70 minute movie, and that movie is just an, uh, I think, a, a, a compilation of the last season, the entire season. But if you love karate, I really suggest karate.com. It will give you all the information, and you're gonna be pretty impressed. That's what I believe. <laughs> hear the dog put the put the microphone to him yeah Her. we have we yeah, watch this what is he doing dance listen this quinn is speechless right now <laughs> because dad doesn't have a treat in his hand she she'd probably be yapping up a storm if he had a treat yeah so funny you know, did that uh, again. Uh, I'll, I'll break one, one, one other aspect of your career. You've been involved in several video games on top of this. I, I again, not till earlier, I, I never knew that you were involved in the, uh, the video game Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto 4. Guys, 
one of my best works and you know this is not to break but I really had fun doing that I have my own TV show in the video game if you go to the safe house you can go to the channels and one of the shows is in the man's room with Boss and Jeremy and if you go to YouTube you say Boss GTA 4 you will see those there's two 20 minute pieces I highly suggest if you want to see some comedy and some complete psychopath because that's what I am I'm like a bit of live audience and I'm challenging the people in the who wants the knife fight with me in the audience like things like that you know complete crazy man you want to check it out. I really did yeah, uh, yeah. a good job. Tony shared that with me, the, the in the band's room segment <laughs> there. And I always just die and laugh yeah. watching that stuff. That was that was <laughs> some good you. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I love that work. And all the all the things that you do, you know, if you hijack a car or a carjack, you do whatever you all the fighting, that's me. And I actually Amir Peretz, you know my buddy as well. Yeah, yeah. We did the motion caption for that. So all the violence, that's me as well, just in a different package. Yeah, they just push you in the suit and they, they just choreograph all your different movements, right? That's it. Yeah, with the little balls everywhere. It's a lot of fun. It was a great, uh, a, a, a great project. I wish I would have asked instead of what they gave me, say, give me one tenth of one percent. That's the only thing I want because the first, the first uh, weekend they sold six hundred million. Yeah. Imagine one tenth of a percent of that. That would wow. be great. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Insane. Well, uh, Mr. Fry, where were we at at this point? I mean, uh, I mean, Bosh, you said you got something that's coming up that, uh, on timeline. Yes, I got, I got to do an uh, actually a podcast with Butterbean, and we're going to in, uh, interview uh, Flex Wheeler today. I do this every Wednesday, so uh, I thought, you know what, we're going to do this during the day and in the evening. I just pull my laptop up and bada bing, bada boom, I'm going to do that show. <laughs> Very good. Now, yeah. but Butterbeat is a great guy. You'll have a lot of fun with him. Yeah. No, I love that guy. He's uh, as honest as they come as well. I love it. Yes. Built like a built like a four by four that has no deck, but uh, woof. That guy, I, I watched many of his matches yeah. in the past. <laughs> yeah, he makes uh, he makes saving kits, you know. Deer antlers and elk antlers and things like really that. Really cool. Yeah, yeah I, uh, he sent me just sent me one. I sent him a note to the trainer, so yeah. we were trading for uh, Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, this concludes another episode of Toxic Masculinity, and and uh, uh, Boss. What can I say? Our special guest tonight, Boss Root. Uh, I mean, I, I've learned many new facets that I never knew about you before. Like I said, I knew that, that you're an author. I knew that you're an inventor of one thing, but the, the breathing, the O2, uh, uh, no, I did not know anything about that. I will be looking at up, up that and a few other things. I made a few notes on this. So it's been very educational for me. So I've actually very much uh, been, been uh, a, pl a pleasure and an honor to have you on our show. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you very much, Don. It was a great time. I'm happy I came over. I told him. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll come to Arizona for this. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.